0: A special edition, I suppose, of that real Podcast. Uh, you know who we are. We are a uh, a live interactive show podcast, uh, Annoyance on Twitter, etc. etc. We thought we'd have a go at doing a round table um style show. I've got some questions for the guys. Um to crack us off, and then we are do probably 40 minutes or so, maybe a little bit longer, and then maybe on the last part, we'll take some questions from you. You know the way we work. If your question's good enough and it comes in, then we'll probably put it straight to the panel. Um, and if it's not, then it's not. Uh, bear with me one second. There we go. Right, joining us tonight, we have Ben Green right there from That Millwall Podcast. Evening, guys.
2: Evening, Mickey. We, we have...
0: It's going to be good. Right. Over the other side of Ben, we've got Ken, who is from Sky Blue Fans TV. Um, if you don't know what he supports, that would be the quiz of today. If you can tell <laughs> us what team Ken supports. There's
3: good evening, clues. Ken. Yeah, no, that's evening, it. Mate. Good evening.
0: Good evening. How are you? You all right? Up to
3: your butt, hole, yeah.
0: Right. Down in the corner over there, or there we go, that way, uh, you have uh, Chris from Albion um, Analysts. Who is a West Bromwich Albion um, fan channel? Good evening, welcome.
4: Thank you. Nice to be here.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, In the middle, we have a um, we have Matt from a pointless club called Reading. Really, I
5: suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Had to be done. Had to be done. (laughs) Yeah, did did. And the man
0: right below me, I knew him and help give him a break out into the world of Twitter when I ran a campaign that was really, really <laughs> massive for Millwall, and he used to write bits and pieces for us, and now he's a superstar. You have to talk about to eight weeks in me. advance.
6: I tend to remember it as me giving you free articles, Mickey. That's kind of No, nice. that's
0: the way it was, yeah, but we gave you a platform as well. So I, I, I'll always word it my way because it makes me better. But, no, he's a good lad. <laughs> um, the reason I brought Gabe in is that Gabe um, knows pretty much the championship and other football leagues. And I thought if we're doing between, it'll be good to have sort of uh, a non-team Pacific person on with us who can um, call us all a bunch of fools or call us all a bunch of liars or whichever way we need to go with it. But um, hopefully this runs fairly straightforward and um, fairly easy. I have got a set of questions. um, And I suppose I'll start with the first question, just a couple of worded answers to a degree. Um, and I'll start with you, Ben. Is um, what team do you support and why?
2: What team do I support why? The <laughs> best team in London, the best team of all. Uh, if anyone doesn't know us, we're called Millwall. Um, yeah, okay. Millwall fan. And the reason I'm a Millwall fan is because uh, my old man didn't really have much choice when I was younger.
0: So, yeah. So said follow West Ham. No. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> Gone, Ken. Um, how long, uh, why Coventry? And um, and how long you've been doing? How long
3: you've been suffering uh, now? All my life, really, basically, which is about fifty odd years, I suppose. But um, yeah, I started as a, as a youngster and uh, born and bred here. And um, I just got the hitch, and obviously never let it go. And as as, as we all do, you know, got got into football, and uh, obviously um, started at a young age. And uh, here I am still plodding along. <laughs> Chris, same question to you, fella.
4: A similar answer, really. My, uh, my my dad's a baggies fan, so I'm I'm a lifelong baggies fan. Um, I'm I'm even daft enough to uh, give them eight years of service working in their communications department, uh, picking up an aggressively average wage. So
0: <laughs>
5: that's an answer I didn't expect to get for that. And um and Matt, same question to you. Uh, born and bred in Reading, still live in Reading. Um, was Miss a Dream in 0506. That was my first season that I went and supported them and have had disappointment pretty much ever since. Um, <laughs> so you could say I'm a glory hunter and I uh, got, got my dues, dues for doing that in 05-06. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much me. And, Gabe, tell us then, for... If you do, do
0: you support the team? Yeah, so just... I support
6: Birmingham City. So,
0: oh, I know.
6: Yeah. Well, to be fair, for a while we had a great record at going to the Den. We used to, uh, we used to love going down there. I think more recently you've kind of pulled it back a little bit.
0: But um, yeah, I think your best, I think your best game at the Den was two thousand and one. Oh yeah, you the were third, kept, yeah, on in the last you, you were kept in for a while then. <laughs> I
6: know. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I didn't actually go to that game because it was a bit before my time. But thanks I guess for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely hear story, stories of it um, and certainly hear stories of people going to the old den as well in the 70s. I think that was a bit of a, a, t- a tin hat one. But um, but no, I think for me, it was the weird thing for me was um, up until about 10 or 11, I wasn't really into football. I didn't quite understand it. And then I had Blues played this random. I don't know if you've ever had these sort of random exhibition matches against international teams. So Blues played Trinidad and Tobago. Um, in 2003, for Ian Bennett's testimonial, um, I went to that because I could randomly get a ticket and I just fell in love with it from then on. And then, for some sort of coincidence, uh, there happened to be a season ticket going that uh, I ended up going, and that's kind of where what's got me, got me, got me sort of today, really. Firstly, through Blues and then following the FL more generally. Okay, good,
0: good, right? So, you know, a little bit about the lads. Um, as I said, you know, the way it works, we will come to your comments. We won't be coming to them every two seconds, but we will be coming to your comments um, uh, throughout the uh, the show. Also, to you guys who are on the show, obviously, unfortunately, I didn't get to say it beforehand, there is a private chat room on the right-hand side of this, what you guys can see, but obviously, outside of here, they can't see. If you've got anything, you want to come into a, anything, or you want to do it, um, just drop something in there, then everyone can see it, and then that way it just stops us talking over each other, or um, those who don't necessarily that confident screaming over people, which just gives you an opportunity to be able to be brought in. And well, I just want to try and get everybody having a talk. So, um, so yeah, (laughs) first question and I'll go random and I won't pick the same person every time I'll go to Chris, what opposition has impressed you this season so far?
4: I mean, Burnley seems like a blindingly obvious answer, but I mean, they, they, they do play some, they do play some great stuff. They, they really do. Um, and I mean, we we got beat two one there with a last minute um, Scott Twine free kick, um, and to be honest, gone away with it with a draw, and it would have felt like a great result. They're, they're just they're just a really really good side, um, and I mean, Gable thanked me for saying this, but the only team to have doubled us this season is Blues, um, but that, I think that's got a lot more to do with us playing. David Button in goal for both games than it has for uh, than it's got to do with Blues uh, actually, but yeah, I mean Burnley Burnley are just a quality quality outfit. I, I tell you the, the the two games that I probably enjoyed though um, the, the most um, uh, for Ken's benefit were the two games against Kov. You know we won one one nil and they won one one nil, but they were just mm-hmm. they were just cracking games of football. Two teams actually going out to to win the game. You know, um, only one goal in it, but how there's only been two goals in those two games, I'll I'll never know. And I I think Kov are just a good side who've got some nice players that they've done uh, that they've done on on a reasonably modest budget. And uh, uh, you know, Burnley, it's it's all well and good having Premier League money behind you. You can go and spend a load on uh, and get on nice Premier League loans and 15 million on a striker in January. Fair play to Kov, having it completely the other way and and pick. Value. Is he coming back? <clears throat> I'm, I'm I'm back. Sorry, I, I don't know how much of that you heard.
0: <laughs> we heard value, and then that was it. Oh, I did. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah,
4: value, just, we heard just, uh, yeah. Just, uh, no, no. Yeah, just uh, the, well. To be honest, you only missed two words off the end of that sentence. Then it was it was just getting. Uh, I'm just impressed with Kov getting value in the market, like uh, mm. season after season.
0: No, that's it. And leads us straight (laughs) on to you then, um, Ken. What's your um, two greatest opposition's games you've seen this season so far?
3: Yeah, I mean, we've been involved in quite a few good games, to be fair, um, this season. Uh, Obviously, Burnley, Burnley, (laughs) Burnley, um, Burnley, obviously, running away with it. And uh, although we were lucky, we only lost 1-0 at at Burnley. And we lost a home 1-0 as well, so there was only one goal in it, so... But to be fair, they did look a good side, and and you know they seem to be a class above everybody else. Obviously, with their budget and the money they've got by uh, coming down from the Premier League. Um, but Sheffield United have impressed me. You know that, that, that they've been okay when we when we played them, they were okay. Uh, and Norwich, well, early on when we played them, but they seem to be a bit iffy now. Norwich, I don't know what's happened to them, but they certainly impressed us when they came and won at our place. So. Um, yeah, Sheffield United and Norwich are probably the two which you expect to be up there, really. But Norwich have probably uh, filtered away a little bit, haven't
0: they? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, yeah, they've sort of come off the ball to a degree. Mm. Um,
5: what's your, your two um, best teams then, um, Matt? Um, I'd probably, to to stay away from the blindingly obvious one, is, uh, as we said before, stay away from Burnley. But um, Borough, I mean, the football they play, I've really enjoyed <clears throat> watching them this year. Um, under cat or certainly under Carrick anyway. Um, won't talk of the 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 football before, I guess. But um, I mean, since Carrick's come in, the way the way they play, the aggressiveness in the fullbacks down either side, pressing up the pitch, creating overloads, it's just a joy to watch. Um maybe left them a bit exposed in previous weeks, and maybe that's something that teams are going to start to exploit. But it's been they've probably been one of the funnest teams. That that I've watched this year, um, and certainly when they talked us five five nil, no, albeit that wasn't hard under Paul um, but, um, but 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 yeah, that was that they're, they're probably the best team. The one team that probably surprised me, Preston. Um, we played them at the weekend at their place. Um, again, not hard to do it against us, but they dominated us for ninety minutes. How it was only two one by the end, and how we nearly somehow scraped a one one, I will not know because they. Pummel dust, pummel us, pummel dust us for the entire Can, can we not game. say
2: that, Matt, when we've got on this weekend? <laughs>
5: uh, well it, it, something that goes in your favour was that it was against Paul Lintz. So I'd like I will I'll caveat it with that because um, it was probably against the worst <laughs> manager in, in in the history of the EFL, I'd say. Which is um, we're come on we're come on to managing <laughs> a bit, I think, but um, <laughs> but yeah, on there. I mean,
0: Ben, who do you think our two best opponents have been this season? And obviously if you're in the chat um there's obviously quite a few of you to were at millwall but those of you who aren't just um give us a reply and, and let us know who you think are your two um best opponents were Go on, well
2: ben. i think the two that have impressed me the most and a team i'm actually going to back to get promoted or get in the top 6 next year is swansea um i think they were one or two players away from being a really good side um Obviously, I came down to the game when we played them a few weeks back now, and we didn't touch the ball for about 75 minutes, and touched the ball twice in their in their penalty area, managed to score twice, two bad goals. But they just, yeah, they just screamed to me that they, they were it just lacked a little bit of cutting edge. But really, that for me, they looked a good side, and so I think they're only one or two players away from a top six push. And the other team that I was most worried about going into this. Kind of end of season run was was Ken your your team Coventry I've just been impressed every time I've seen them whether it's been against us or on telly just always been impressed with with Coventry um, again like like Chris said think they've done wonders in the transfer market in the last couple of years really um, and if they can keep hold of of Gueiarez which I know is a big if um, mm-hmm. I, I'd expect them to be in and around the playoffs again come the end of the season and next year <clears throat> but yeah Swansea and Coventry
0: for me okay. Um, I'll come back to you in a sec, Ken, with a question that's been put on here with the panel but one one to Gabe before you come in um, and he takes that chance is, uh, as written lads if you launched a ball into the air who would win the first header? Duncan Ferguson Andy Booth, Peter Crouch or Gabe Sutton? Um, he says he <laughs> loves your stuff but he never realised how tall
6: you were. Yeah I'm not going head to head with Duncan Ferguson I don't think that would end <laughs> too well for me <laughs> um, what teams have impressed he's you vegan in
0: this season? Now, mate.
6: He's, all right. he's a vegan now mate <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's alright he's a vegan now he's missed out on the protein I suppose hasn't he so that might give me some advantage <laughs> um, Listen, uh, I think uh, the one I don't think anyone's mentioned Luton yet. And and they've really Mm. impressed me because, you know, I think you look at Rob Edwards, he's come in there. He's taken that sort of those foundations that Nathan Jones uh, laid and he's taken it to a whole new level because now they've got all the best bits of what they did under Nathan Jones. And they're a more progressive side. They're really well organised. And still with, you know, uh, that brilliant sort of structure, they've got a new stadium on the horizon, but they'll be in the Premier League in the next three or four years. Uh, You know, we look at the progress that Brighton and Brentford have made. I think Luton aren't far off that. So, uh, yeah, really impressed with the Hatters and and the job that Rob Edwards is doing. Okay.
0: There's a question come on here for you, um, Ken, from one of our fans. Who says, uh, do you think Coventry would be pushing top two now if it wasn't for the crap start due to the pitch fiasco at the beginning of the season? I think <clears>
3: we'd, we'd certainly be up in the top six, definitely. with Because we had to play all them games away from home. and We had all sorts of problems and then we've had injuries as well the last sort of um, month or so as well, which hasn't helped us. Um, yeah, without a doubt, I think we'd certainly have another at least nine points in the bag, I think. Probably more
6: Um and I think we would be pushing. We'll be in the top six at the moment. Yeah. It's do you just, mind me asking, Ken? How good yeah. do you think the the golf squad is? Apart from if you take out the likes of Hamer and um, and and Jokeres, like how how good a squad do you think it is aside from those two?
3: Uh, we've got a good squad. The trouble is, we haven't got a debt in depth You know, we haven't got a strong, we haven't got a strong squad. If we have injuries, like we have got O'Hare's been out. He's out for the all the whole season now. Uh, Casey Palmer's out now for the rest of the season. Jamie Allen's got an injury now. They're three midfielders who would normally start. Uh, and Godden's only just been sort of come back. He's only sort of, he missed half the season. Um, mm. So, and once you get injuries like that to a sort of, a, you know, a very bare bare squad where we haven't got enough, a strong enough squad is my problem. That's a, And we haven't just got enough players basically to... to reinforce when we do get injuries and we're on our bare bones at the moment we've had a couple of youngsters we've had to put in and they've done well to be honest you know they've done fairly well we've got a couple of lone players coming in from Manchester City who've done pretty well as well so yeah I mean apart from that I, I, the question the answer to the question is yeah I think we we would be definitely in the top six now by, by, by a long margin I think
4: is that something
3: everybody's club has got because i mean we we've got our entire
4: left-hand side out we've got our entire central midfield out we've got we we've got three center halves out injured as well like yeah. i mean it, it, our, our injury list is crazy our, our injured players are probably a better team than our than our fit players at the mo- at this moment in time, is it just this stupid season that mm. we've had with the with, with the World Cup in the middle that mm. that's killed everybody's squads? Mm. It feels I don't like
2: think the same, it's... same with us, Chris. I think every yeah. time we get a long term injury back, we get another one, we get another two. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: we've
3: yeah.
2: constantly got a rotation of three or four players out that would be in and around the start and 11 or certainly being the squad so
1: yeah,
2: yeah I don't know the reason behind it but yes yeah, certainly we've had a, as I say a rotating injury list it seems like.
4: Well the schedule can't help can it I mean no, you know no. we, we condensed all the games at the start of the season into a little block then we had the World Cup and now we've got now we've got to fit in a stupid amount of games after the yeah. World
3: Cup it, it, it mm. can't help. Yeah I think... it's an unusual season isn't it we don't normally get this and to be honest, we, I'd rather have no real cup break and carried on. You know, to be fair, but I think most people would agree on that. Um, we had the momentum and then we've come back after the break and we're not at it. You know, we've lost a couple of games and lost dropped points. So, but I think it's the same. As I say, it's the same for everybody with injuries. We have a lot, a lot of injuries about this season for some strange reason.
5: I think I think the only club really that hasn't um, is. Burnley at the moment because I don't think they've got any, mm. or they've only got like one noted. I think because we did a preview on them for this weekend's game. And they've only got one. Yeah. So he's done well there, one. though, is not he? I mean, he,
0: he looked yeah. into the Belgium yeah. league. He took some yeah. players from the Belgium league, what he obviously knew really, really well. And he's got that. He's got that aura about him, anyway, of who he was. He was a. It was a fantastic player a no nonsense player, and he sort of. Brought that out into his team in the best way possible. And they just seemed to want to go out week in, week out, playing for him. I mean, the early part of the season, they looked as if they carried on like that. I know, you know, they're pretty much there now anyway. But I mean, the beginning part of the season, when they were knocking three, four, five goals in on some of the teams, that was just madness. They were just looking as if they were a premiership team
6: in waiting. I think yeah, you're but... totally right, Mickey, to bring up the force of personality and character that Vincent Company is, because I think there's lots of really good, young, talented, progressive coaches out there who are capable of you know, having some of his ideas. But it's that ability to go into a dressing room before the game or at half-time and just command that attention, command that respect. And I think when you've got both those qualities, then as a manager, that can take you a long way, can't it?
4: Yeah, I, I agree with that, Gabe. But I'd also say, just, just to sort of uh, Matt's point around Around the injuries, the uh, Burnley are the only ones who've really got uh, th- that real strength in depth all the way through. I mean, they can rotate the wingers, they can rotate, they can rotate the forwards. You know, I mean, I look at our, our injuries, for example, and Dar O'Shea had played every minute of every game till he got injured. Um, Okae Koslu, Jason Molumbi had played every minute of every game under uh, pretty much under Corbran. You know, the, the injuries we're getting are guys who've played an awful lot of football, whereas Burnley have got the strength in depth to actually rotate players. And are probably not getting the fatigue injuries. Ken Callum O'Hare probably played practically mm-hmm. every minute of you uh, for you before he got injured. They the did, injuries, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the injuries that most clubs are getting are, are guys that they can't leave out. Whereas Burnley can probably leave anyone out and still beat their opposition.
6: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they've I mean, they they Benson out at times, and he's yeah. been one of the best players in the championship. But when he's been out, they've not really missed him. So I totally get Chris's point. Yeah. Is that is that on the back of them
0: coming down from the Prem, where obviously the Prem has a A lot higher player ratio, or
5: no, I know. I think, I think, talking, talking to um, uh, the chat from Turfcast for the for the um podcast we did with them, um, they lost a lot of the players that that they had in the Premier League, so they actually had to do obviously a lot of recruitment over the summer. And obviously, I think you know, I think to be honest, they've been quite smart. They've, I think everyone thinks you've got to spend, you know, or well, people think that the Premier League clubs spend a lot of money. I don't think they've actually spent massive amount in comparison when you look at the players have actually got in well I think they've
6: brought potential as well
5: Matt I mean because mm, I exactly. thought they'd
6: finish eighth before the season yes, well, because I, 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 it, I had
5: them to finish sixth you know yeah. because well because of because of obviously the <laughs> the amount of players they'd lost but also company because you know he, he did well at Anderlecht but he didn't pull up any trees I don't think you probably would have anticipated company coming to this Burnley team and completely revolutionizing Burnley, the way that he has this year, I think yeah. it's only you know props to company really on that side because he's just blown everyone's expectations, probably even The way they play as well, yeah, it's completely
3: transformed. We knew all new Burnley, like
5: yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah,
3: I mean, I think. I mean, mean
4: the, the other thing with Burnley that's key, uh, and, and we did this really well the last time we went up, is they've used mm-hmm. the loan market really, really well. And I think, yeah. uh, I think, yeah. I think that is key to having a really, really top. Uh, championship season. Look at Harwood Bellis has been superb uh, at the at the back. Obviously, Teller's been on loan for from Southampton and he's been an absolutely massive player. How for they them.
5: got Teller, I will never know. Because <laughs> I he, don't know why he, Southampton had well, well, yeah. Teller
4: as well in
6: January. Why? Yeah, why, why?
4: Why didn't they take him back? They're uh, you know they're in mm. relegation trouble and he's a quality player. But uh, but I th- I think I think generally speaking, you look at the teams that go up year after year after year and. I mean, you go go back to Villa getting promoted with that amazing run. Tammy Abraham up front scoring all the goals on loan from Chelsea. And pre, you will find pretty much every team that gets promoted from the championship has, has used the loan market smartly. Mm-hmm. And I think it's part of where we've killed ourselves this year mm-hmm. is that, is you know, we, we've brought in a lot of frees, but we really, uh, and, I mean, until January, I don't think we've we'd really got a loan in. We've brought Mark Albrighton in and it hasn't, uh, and it just hasn't really worked. But we we needed to use the loan market smart in the summer, and we just didn't. And I, and I think that's that that's part of why we had such a bad start to the season, to be honest.
0: We've done all right with the loans to a degree. But, I mean, there's a lot of speculation at the moment, which is interesting with company, that, you know, a lot of people are saying there was something on TalkSport earlier where they were saying, you know, that Spurs potentially won him because of the fact that... He's done what he's done on a budget, which was right into, um, right into that that Le- Levy um, love fest, in it? Really, of him being able to, you know, do that thing on a budget. How he loves to have a manager, but personally, I just don't think he. Um, I, I I think it'll be a bad decision with a manager going to another team. The problem is, is that if you're a player going to another team, if there was a couple of Burnley players who went to. To Tottenham, it's a good opportunity for them Because even if they don't do well, they're on a big contract They're still going to get paid Company goes to Spurs He could be there six months and not win a game Then all of a sudden you're out of a job And you've ruined everything you've done at Burnley To go, personally I think you should stay at Burnley Get them in, you know, have a go in the Premiership And see what you can do there Before you guys come in Ben, you got one more thing you want to talk about loans? Go on, fella. Well, it was, it was only just really a, a Millwall-related loan market. I know you said we've
2: done well there, Mickey, but just to, to Chris's point, I don't think Millwall have done particularly well in that market recently. I know, I know we've got Charlie Creswell, who's been absolutely superb for us from Leeds, but in general, I don't think our loan signings have been the best. And We've always, as you said, done relatively well. We've seemed to, the link with Spurs seems to have dried up where we used to get the likes of Jamie O'Hara and Harry Kane and Andrew Townsend in the past. But generally, it's not a market that I don't think we've utilised very well. Um, And the players we have got seem to have been club's cast off but that's that's probably for another story just a Millwall transfer then,
6: policy more than you, anything else you think there's been um, sort of with Millwall you seem to be a club that kind of takes to your own and you think of players like Billy Mitchell that have come through or stalwarts so you seem to love those sorts of players but maybe for players that have kind of come from I, I just can't Arsenal on loan and you know club places Chelsea on loan I just don't know if it's the sort of place for Yeah, those G-
2: sorts I, of G- I think I think you've hit it nail on the head there I think certainly other clubs certainly Premier League clubs I think everyone, you, you talk about Sheffield United, Burnley, they've all got Man City low knees. Even Ken mentioned their Man City low knees. Mm-hmm. Pep's not going to look at us and go, let's send a couple of good young players <laughs> to, to, to-, to Milwaukee. No, it's just, it's just not going to do it right. And I think that is that, that's a case in point. Just because of the style that we play, I don't think top Premier League sides want, we probably want their youngsters to come to us. Bit of a detriment to, to the way we play, really. But I think then on the flip side of that, if you look at Charlie Creswell, who we've taken from Leeds this year, we've really turned him into a a man. He's been absolutely top draw for us. And I think he will go back to Leeds, whether they come down or not, near enough Premier League ready for next season. And battle hardens more importantly
4: and just just on that I think that's part of why we didn't get uh, get people it's not because of the reputation of the club but we had Steve Bruce in charge at the start of the season and uh, and I think I think there's an element there where people have, will have looked and gone every, everybody hears that Steve Bruce's training is utterly lackadaada that there's not a great deal of coaching that, that that goes on and some of his in-game tactics were laughable and why why would you want to expose a young player to that I, the, I think if we'd had Carlos Corbrand from the start of the the season i think we would have got some quality premier league loans because like leeds like leeds would have happily
6: given him their top top players wouldn't they because if he he's been there before so places like that
4: but they wouldn't trust bruce with them
6: obviously yeah
4: you're on mute mickey
0: (laughs) (laughs) i do every show don't worry um We're talking, about, yeah, yeah. talking about talking <laughs> about low knees and all that um there seems to be more teams now looking internationally um rather than just you know we've obviously Vincent company specializing in um in the Belgium league and looked at taking in a few Belgium we've got hold of a couple of players from outside of Europe obviously Germany and and Holland etc i mean do you think now that because <sighs> the homegrown players to a degree are being snapped up at big money with premiership teams that now the championship needs to look either at the lower end players for development or looking at half decent performing players in Europe who we'd be able to get a lot cheaper than um, a a 21 year old playing at Arsenal who they probably want 4 million for where we could probably get, like we got a, a 19, 20 year old from Holland who, on stats, is um, much better than the um, boy at, I can't think of his name now, we've done an article on it, from the boy Anthony. at Man City, Anthony, Anthony. at Man City. <coughs> <coughs> on, Man on, yeah, on Man, Man, Man United, not Man City, who who on paper is a much better prospect, yet one's worth 85 million and one we brought for 1.7. And he's, you know, and he's performing. But honestly, we've done an article on our website where we looked at the stats. One of our guys wrote uh, an article based on the stats and um, Fleming was head and shoulders above um, Anthony. (laughs) That's extraordinary, isn't it? Absolutely. It's madness. But literally, it was the fact that one played for Brazil and one was in a shop window and one's gone to a premiership for that money. But... Fleming, more assists, more goals, massively amount more goals. And even this season, more goals, more assists, everything. Yet, yeah. you know, one's, one's got an £80, 80, grand, 80 million pound price rise. So mm-hmm. to you guys, I don't mind who wants to come in first, but to you guys, do you think that the international market now <laughs> is, is a much more um, lucrative option for championships, so much so that we've started scouting in Europe now? Um, we have for the last year or two, where predominantly for years we just never looked in Europe.
4: I mean, I'll happily jump in on this just because, just because we, we are probably the worst club in the championship for for, for actually scouting properly. Um, you know, I mean, that's it, quite bad
0: because I know a scout I used to work. I used to work with a guy <laughs> who's um, good friends with um, Steve Bruce. His dad was Stan Tenner, um, who used to work for who used to be a Burnley manager as well, but. He used to be your opposition and, and used to give a bit of advice with uh, Steve Bruce. So, um, yeah, if you're watching, hi, Dan.
4: Well, uh, well, look, I mean, uh, I, I know a fair bit about the recruitment department at the Alvin because like, I, 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 my, my housemate was, uh, was one of the recruitment guys there back before Luke Dowling came in and decimated our very, very good recruitment team. So I know how it used to run. I know how brilliant and efficient it was and how they scouted all corners of the earth. And I uh, and I also know what we do now, which is not a lot, really. Um, uh, I mean, you've you've only got uh, our scouting. We just don't find value in the market anymore. That our our summer recruitment was so blindingly obvious that that actually myself and Pete on the podcast called Wallace and Swift. There's Wallace and Swift transfers before the season had even finished. You know, I mean, it was they—they they were so glaringly obvious. Yet we couldn't afford them. You can see now we can't afford the the, the contracts uh, with with the money that we've got in the club. Yeah. Um, apparently, Brandon Thomas Asante came about because um, Matt, uh, Matt Smith, the, the the Salford striker, is um, Steve Bruce's son-in-law or something like that. Eric <laughs> Peters was Steve Bruce's neighbour, lived a couple of doors down. That's how that one came about. I mean, it's it. It's so 1980s the way we go about finding players, and then I mean, even the managers before that, we just allowed Valerian Ishmael to go and get whatever Ex barnsley players he wanted uh, wanted to get. There was no, there's no logic, there's no thought process, there's no imagination. We're not, we've not, and I th- I think the bottom line is it comes down to how's your club run. Do you yeah. Have you actually applied a sporting director structure and a proper scouting network and spent your money in those areas and invested to save money further down the line? Because in the end, finding value like Zion Fleming, who I'm certain you will sell for an absolute pretty penny in a few years' time. Um, are you investing in those areas and actually making your club sustainable for the long term? Or are you just ridiculous like us and spending money um like just, just basically get you might you might get good players like swift and wallace and nobody's denying they're good players but you have to pay a premium for them and that is not sustainable in the long term you know look we, we've given we've given them both contracts i think swift's contract runs till he's 31 and wallace's contract runs till he's 32 there's no resale value on them mm-hmm. whereas you bring in Sam fleming and you are going to be able to uh, resell him for quite a lot of money. Um, and uh, you look at uh, Jokeresh, you, you, what did you bring him in for? Seven hundred k. You'll, you, you'll sell him for ten times that. Mm. And. That that is that anybody anybody can tell you that Swift and Wallace are good signings for a Championship football club. It does yeah. not take a genius to work that out. the, the where, where 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 it is quality quality recruitment is going and finding your Jokareshes, your Hamers, your, your your Flemings, and that's literally just picking on Millwall and commentary. I could go through pretty much any team in the Championship that's reasonably well run. Look at all the players Brentford have found. Over yeah. uh, over the the last few years, I mean, they constantly sold their best player and then went and got Oli Watkins or Syed Ben Rama or Ivan Tony. And every time they sold a Neil Morpay or an Ollie Watkins, you thought, "Oh, this is this is trouble here for Brentford." No, they just went and replaced them with someone better because yeah. they're well scouted. <clears throat> and, just and to they- touch
2: on just touch on your point there, Christo, I would say certainly from a Millwall perspective, our recruitment it's something we talk about regularly, or I certainly do on our shows. It's
0: awful, um, but I believe our football it... manager specialist alone.
2: <laughs> Do you not know back.
0: our head of? Sorry, just for these guys, who don't our head of recruitment, um, less than ten years ago, was a sports reporter for the local newspaper, who then ran a Millwall focused um, website, page, yeah. fan page, and then um, got a job with recruitment within us. Didn't work out that well then. Uh, then he got a job with Stoke, where he went to Stoke for a year and a half, two years,
5: and oh, now so he's come.
0: Much. Yeah, and now he's come back as director of transfers, sporting.
6: Fucking, and um, whatever other bollocks you want to put in the job title. So, um, but Ben, I mean, do, do, right, if I can just kind of come on to that, it's four top half finishes in five seasons for Millwall on a bottom six budget. So, I suppose from an outside perspective, it's kind of interesting that you're saying that Millwall's recruitment is awful, and yet from an outside perspective, it looks like you've got the most out of your resources. So, how do you sort of reconcile? So, it? yeah, I
2: mean, that's a great point there, Gabe, but. I think what I'm trying to get at is generally our long-term sell-on plan is pretty bad. I mean, so you look like Jeb Wallace, for example, us letting him go for nothing is absolutely criminal and has probably set us back five years in terms of a transfer budget, I would say. Um, Just things like that. So maybe not even, maybe not looking at it from a recruitment perspective, but a um, contract management perspective is probably a better way of looking at it. Um, But going back to Mickey's point, we're certainly now, I think Fleming being a case in point of, we're being told we're going to look into the European markets more because we might be able to get better value for money, and that certainly seems right. I think now what we have done, and it's quite widely spoken about, is that we have got a good sell-on fee or sell-on value in Fleming's
6: contract for doing you know, this as well. So it's interesting you say that because I remember watching an end of season interview Rowett did back in 2021 when he kind of hinted that he didn't he would look more domestically in terms of recruitment and he didn't, wouldn't necessarily want to bring in swathes of players. But I kind of feel like the ones that have worked out, so Vogel, Sammer and Fleming, they've both kind of bought into the Millwall ethos and for yeah. me if you if you're millwall football club you've got the players who do that have got to do that because it's such a unique club with unique expectations and a unique culture you know if you steve morrison for example he didn't do anything anywhere else you know other clubs hate him and yet millwall fans love him <laughs> and it's the same with you know you, you but, can't be a millwall legend if you're not hated anywhere else and but, yeah, just going yeah. to the point on the, on the steve resources. morrison
0: isn't a millwall legend by the way but yeah go on. <laughs> What? He's not oh my wait, god wait,
2: wait. We have a regular debate about who's a okay, right, right. uh, club, but we're, we're, we'll, we'll say that for another time. But yeah, go okay. back again onto your point with resources. Yeah. Look, we overachieve every year, right? We shouldn't be where we are. So I think in transfer wise, we do. Okay. For now or for that season, we seem to have quite a high turnover every year. We've got a lot of loan players again this year. So we're going to lose four or five. I think we've got eight out of contracts in the summer. So again, it's going to be another bit of a rebuild next year. So, I think we do well every season to keep on the coattails of, obviously, that top six, considering our budget. If we can pick up another Fleming next year, great. I don't think we will, but hopefully we can and look into those foreign markets a little bit more.
4: I mean, we're a bit lucky. Sorry, I was just going to say on that, Mickey, just to Gabe's point, I don't think it's about... Foreign or domestic in terms of transfer market. I don't think it matters. I think for most clubs, particularly in a post-COVID era where most clubs in the championship are financially struggling, Mm. it's about is the worth of the player that you're signing once you get into the last two years of their contract or the last 18 months of their contract, is it going to be greater than what you paid for them? And I think that's the important thing. Going back to Brentford, because just because I think they're the best example of this, you've got they, they've picked up Ivan Tony and Oli Watkins from domestically, but then they've also picked up the likes of Said Ben Rama, uh, you know, uh, from from abroad. So it's not really about foreign or domestic. It's about it's about can you get players for a price where uh, and also where the, where they will develop. And become worth more because I, the, the, the problem that most clubs are finding now is that they can't afford to make losses on signings. It's certainly the situation we're in. We've painted ourselves into a corner because we signed the likes of Carlin Grant and Grady Dean Garner for huge sums of money on big long term contracts. And they're not worth what we paid for them, which means we can't get rid of them either. It's, and it's been the exact same at Reading yeah, for,
5: I... for, for for years, and I mean, like like part of the problem actually is, I think almost a lot of championship clubs have fallen into the almost the the situation around putting players on high wages on fear of actually then losing them on on obviously the hope of then getting to the Premier League, mm-hmm. and too many. Too, too, too many clubs have now seen their seen their wages inflate, 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 inflate and when they inflate so much, no one's, it doesn't matter if you then want to sell them, you know, we had it years ago with the likes of McCleary, Gunter, you know, that we, we couldn't end up shipping them because like, they're on £25,000, £30,000 at Reading, you know, and then it doesn't actually matter how much you then want to shift them, you then can't shift them and uh, Reading has been the prime example of that for, for the past 10 years if you look at how many players we've actually sold for a financial for value it's pitifully low you know i, I totally agree
6: years. with the point that you're making matt i think both of you are making great points but i do think as well you've kind of got to balance the sort of developmental ethos of can we invest in assets and build the value of the squad with uh making sure you've got the right culture in place because you can sign someone who's got the best data in the world and looks incredibly talented and you've got great value for it But you've also got to think about the dynamics, the cohesion, how it's all going to look on the pitch. So if we talk about Millwall's strategy towards things, having experienced players like Jake Cooper, like Sean Hutchinson, like even Ryan Leonard in terms of what he brings in terms of professionalism, I don't think you can't tell me that some of those players haven't made an impact towards the culture of the team that's allowed them to punch above its weight. So I think there's different ways of going about it. But I think whichever way, you've got to have a certain element, a certain core of three or four players who set the standards in the dressing room, who, who pull a young player aside and say, no, we don't do this, this is how we do things. I think you need yeah. that that culture in place as well. I think that's really important. Yeah. But that's, but, that. but
4: that's all part of the scouting, Gabe. That's all part of the scouting hmm. because you're not just. It, 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 the numbers on a sheet, it's not money ball here. You know, it, sure. numbers on a sheet mean nothing, really, uh, unless you're actually finding out about players' personalities. One of my big problems at, at, at the Albion is. I don't feel like we've been, we've been doing the, the research on who these guys are as people. I was yeah. actually at an event yesterday um, where I had, had the pleasure of, um, of sitting on a panel with, with Paul Warren. And he was saying that the, the one change he'd like to make in the game is that it was mandatory uh, for players to actually go through a psych- psychiatric testing before they could make a transfer so that he could understand what kind of individual he was signing, as well as what kind of player. And I thought that wow. was absolutely bang on the money. Because, I mean, take us spending eight million quid on Ken Zahor. Probably if you'd spoke to anybody, anybody who, who, who'd who worked with him, surely they've got to tell you that the guy is mentally weak, doesn't... Uh, doesn't uh, Allegedly. Allegedly. No, no, watch him. He's <laughs> uh, <laughs> got
3: bigger
1: lawyers than
4: me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, we, I mean, we, we had him,
2: Chris. We had him on loan. We know yeah, about it. I
4: know you can't <laughs> believe you took him. What was it? One penalty scored for you. It was, it, I mean, the, the, guy, the guy is one of, If he's for me the worst signing we've, uh, we've we've ever made. I mean, you've only got to look at his minutes on the pitch and his goals versus how much he costs to see that. But my point there is, you might look at Ken and His data might actually be all right in that Warnock team that got promoted for, for, for Cardiff. I don't know. I, w- I wasn't looking at Cardiff's data at that point. But, surely to goodness somebody is going to say to you yeah but when the going gets tough that guy is not going to get going mm-hmm. if you if you have the right people in place and I think I think I think you bang on the money but I think to the point and, and what Paul Warne, Paul Warren said to me yesterday I think it's something that needs to be a part of the scouting network and in a lot of clubs it's probably not
6: that's such a great... If I can just um, add one more thing to to what Chris has said, because I know we've, we've both had a big say, but... Um, uh, I, I follow some of the, the the lower leagues. In Exeter, when they won promotion from League Two that um, uh, last season, their player of the year was a lad called Timothy Dieng, who had just been relegated with two or three clubs in succession. Um, and he was absolutely brilliant. And what they did was they drilled down and got right to the bottom of it all, and they found out that he was an absolutely brilliant character and was very good individually in those relegated seasons and was just a bit unlucky with some of the clubs that he happened to find himself at. And I think that's a crucial part of this recruitment thing that we're talking about is being able to find those players that aren't obvious, as, as Chris has said, with, you know, your Wallaces and your Swifts.
0: I'm going to, I'm going to come to, um, we come to this question and it looks as if Glenn, um, from the Sky Blue hub, um, has been, um, Looking at my notes to be fair, but we'll come on to this question. Um, his question is which championship team has been the underachiever this season, and uh, and why do you think that? Um, again, we'll go random, we'll go with you, Matt.
5: And you're not allowed to say yourself, please. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say we were underachieving given Idas for relegation. Um, I would, I'd probably say from where I had them at the start of the season would be West Brom Um, because West Brom, I think I, I I had as one of the strongest squads probably on paper at the start of the season. I think I had, I can't remember if I had them top two, but I think they might've been third um, in, in my, in my listings. Um, yeah. You know, you look at the players that they brought in in the summer, you know, you can, talk about the money that was involved in the contracts etc that that they signed but you know when you sign top top championship players you kind of expect them to be near the top um it was probably obviously helped by having you know a pretty incompetent manager for the first um first first couple of months um that's kind of led them to where they are now um but interesting kind of how it's kind of all faded off a bit for West Brom now as well now Corbrand's got a longer contract um, as well, obviously, I, I think it's only three wins in eleven. I think since he's had his contract, um, so it's just yeah. But that off.
4: that's coincided with the wealth injuries. of injuries. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's nothing to do with Corbrand taking his foot off the gas. It's the uh, we, we've just got half our side out injured.
0: I mean, if, if we're enough. honest, beginning beginning of the season when new boys signed Swift and Wallace, we thought you were just going to be fucking pissing the league. Yeah.
6: I did, by the way. I said
4: thirteenth before the season. I know you didn't, and you and I <laughs> had a bit of back and there. forth on tw- on Twitter about that. I'll, I'll be honest; I wouldn't. I didn't go as far as uh, as Gabe. Uh, I, I I thought we'd make the I thought we'd make the playoffs, but I, I certainly wasn't buying into any of the Albion are going to be top two stuff because I'd seen us the year before, and uh, I mean Swift and Wallace are good players, but they are only two players um you know we we'd still got dk coming back from a 12 month in uh, long injury and look the rest of the lads had let us down and we'd finished we uh, we would we'd finished 11th the previous season there was nothing to get excited uh, uh, about there and it's still largely the squad that uh, that that let that let ishmael down to be honest with you
0: so what championship team do you think has been the biggest underachiever this season and obviously you can't say yourself
4: I was going to say, uh, 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 I mean, I don't think, I don't, to be honest, I don't think we have on un, uh, un, underachieved. Given that once we got rid of Steve Bruce, we've actually had automatic promotion form. Um, I think what we've done under Corbrand is unbelievable. It, it's a toss up between two for me. Um, Stoke at the start of the season, I I looked at a forward line of Tyrese Campbell, Brown, Delap, and Gale, and I thought that is frightening i thought surely uh, i i'm so sick to death of tipping stoke for top 6 and then finishing mid table and uh, uh, and i thought i'm not going to do it this year and then i did and then they and then <laughs> and, then, and then they've gone and finished uh, they've gone into mid table yet again but the Roy, Gale one...
5: hasn't been a goal scorer for quite a few seasons now though <laughs> no he yeah. hasn't
4: he hasn't. But you just buy into the narrative of Dwight Gale is 20 goals. Don't you? I mean, look, I still rem- remember the guy as the guy who thumped in 23 for us. You know what I mean? He, he was frightening for us. On the right for front three, Chris. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm always I'm always going to have rose-tinted glasses when it comes to Dwight Gale anyway. So I, there was Stoke. But the other one for me is Watford. Um, and I think the thing with Watford is, I mean, there, there's, there's six teams, six teams in the championship that have changed their manager three times this season. I mean, first of all, that criminal. Um, but the other, but the other thing with that is the other f- f- five of those six are the bot are in the bottom six. The only one that's not is Watford, and I don't understand. I think their chickens have come home to roost. To be honest with you, with their approach to constantly changing <coughs> managers uh, and chopping and changing. Because you look at what they've done, and Rob Edwards has gone on to do probably the the manager of the season job. Mm. Uh, at Luton and they got rid of him after I mean what was it seven eight games it was something stupid
6: wasn't it do you know what though Chris I almost think Rob Edwards being brilliant for Luton and being a contender for manager of the year although I think company will win (laughs) it it could be a bit of a kick up the backside for Watford because if Rob Edwards had uh, had left um, had left Watford had not done much you almost feel like it kind of risks almost justifying how they've gone about things, how they've treated people and, and managers. Whereas the fact that Rob Edwards is massively outperforming Watford with his current club and them being their sort of bitter rivals i almost think surely if anything's going to sort of shake the, the club into action that's going to be it do
4: you, do you think there is anything that would actually do that though gabe or no. do you think that they're just a bit of a basket case because i i just think it's the, i just think it's the latter i i i don't i don't think i don't think whilst these owners are in charge of Watford i don't think they're ever going to change their ways i mean look it's they had they had to dispel rumors that that they were going to sack wilder last uh, uh, <laughs> earlier in the earlier in the week, you know, and, and whilst they're not, they're almost certainly not going to sack him this, this season. I, I would happily, happily have a charity bet with anybody who wants it that Watford start the season with a different manager to Chris. Oh Watford, yeah. Uh, ne- I think next will. season with a different I moment.
0: did Well, yeah. I mean, they're talking about that forum and everyone's going, but yeah, that was, that was the boys at second tier podcast who started that rumor from the, um, well,
4: no, they Football believe forty inside, inside, yeah. And if you're going to do that, then then you deserve everything you get, to be honest with you. But but not but nonetheless, uh, the point is, I I will guarantee, I, I will happily, like I say, have a charity bet with anyone who wants to go up against me on it uh, that I will say Watford won't start next season with Chris Wilder as their manager.
5: Can I can I drop in a question here though as well? Because you talk about Watford being the underachievers of the season when you when you look actually, at the players that they kept last year as well, it's, you could probably make a very strong case for that. Part of it is due to the players that they kept from the Premier League. Do you think they keep the Ishmael Sars, the Jao Pedros and that to next season? Because obviously... Pedro you know, goes.
4: Yeah, Pedro goes. The, the, problem with, the problem with Sar a little bit is who's going... I don't know how long he's got left on his contract and that's always the big thing. But mm. it seems like the money they've asked for him has been pretty big in, in, in the past. And About I mean, 30 it scared, million, wasn't it? Yeah, it scared Liverpool off at one point, didn't it, apparently? So it's... It, it, I, I don't know. It, it's it's always it's always difficult. It, it just it just depends what what kind of contracts they've got. The other, I mean, look, it's it's like the whole thing with um, it, it's it's like it's like the whole thing with with Will Zaha as well at Crystal Palace. Why hasn't Zaha moved on from Crystal Palace in 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 the years where he's been brilliant there? It's because he's Palace's best paid player by a country mile, and whilst a bigger club might come in for him, they're not going to make him their best pe- best paid player because he's not so he's better off being the best paid player at a smaller club than he is being a, a middle of the squad player at a larger club and i suppose that comes in for uh, sar can he get a club who can actually pay him the wage that he wants and and also will give him the first team football that he was probably going to want as well it's it's it can be challenging it especially especially when you reach reach a certain age as a player
5: Fair enough.
6: You're on mute again, Mickey.
0: I know. I do it every show, <laughs> and it's even worse. It's even worse when it's live because I can't edit the fucking thing out. <laughs> <else. laughs> <laughs> even though we don't edit, but sometimes I might just edit the bits of the guys going, "Mickey, you dickhead, you're on mute." <laughs> so yeah, okay. normally, normally I try and edit those out. I'm giving you away all the secrets a now.
6: For
0: the next show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just do it. I just do a show of me just going, and they, and someone else just going. Dickhead, you're a moot, and that's it, you know what I mean? Ben, ben would no doubt do that, but yeah. Um, Ken, and then I'll come to you, Ben. Um, who do you think the underachievers are?
3: Uh, the two Ws for me, Watford and West Brom. Um, without a shadow of a doubt, I thought West Brom would be above us and up there, simply because the players they've got uh, and the money they've probably got, more than money, budget-wise, coming down from the Premiership. And I certainly expected them to be, you know, above us at this stage of the season. Obviously, they've had injuries as well, like everybody else has, and issues and stuff like that. Uh, and the other one was Watford, uh, who are a crazy club, really. Uh, another one that's come down from the Premiership. Another one that got quality players in their in their squad, but ha- just haven't achieved nowhere near the success that they should be, really, with the, the players they've got. We played you them on That uh, They took a 2-0 lead against us, believe it or not, because um, we were a bit useless in the first half, but second half, uh, it was one-way traffic and we were lucky not to win the game but they were useless second half they had to went down uh, and they didn't want to know as soon as we went to 2-1 they, they just didn't want to know There's only one team going to get back in the game and that was us and it, it amazed me with the, you know, with the budget they've got and the players they've got that they, they could be in that situation and, and I know they've changed their manager I don't know what what the reasons are they'll keep changing their manager but, I mean Chris Wilder is a decent manager from he's got a fairly good record yeah. hasn't he over the, in the championship to be honest Um so I'll, you know, I would keep him if they could, but whether he stays there is another matter. You know, he might get fed up eventually with the powers that be above. Uh, obviously, the ones that make the decisions. Uh, but, yeah.
6: Ian, I ask a question to uh, to the panel. Uh, mine would be because we, we, we talk about underperforming teams. I at... tell you what. Oh, go, go what... for it, Mickey.
0: One sec. So, his underachievers are, and then um, and then come with your question. Go on, Ben.
2: Yeah, without doubt, for me, Watford. Quickly, before we go into that, um, Middlesbrough beating Norwich 1-0, which is a massive result for us, Ken, and maybe you. Could. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, without doubt, for me, Watford, um, I think the players they managed to keep hold on that, that Chris and Matt have already gone on to it with Sarr and Pedro, obvious quality was there. But the players they managed to bring in as well, Premier League players, Hamza Chowdhury, um, Keenan Davis, the other chap from Villa, um, Courtney House, the centre-half, I mean, yeah, without doubt for me, Watford, I just thought they would be, I thought they'd win the league. I, I thought they would be the typical yo-yo that they always do. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like you, I th- um, sorry, Ken, I think you just said it. Um, Chris Wilde, I think, is a top manager. Um, I think they really need to stick with him and just give him some time. Mm-hmm. And going back to Chris's point, they are just a horrendously bad run club, they're awful, they need some sort of longevity, yeah. give Chris Wilder some time and he will sort them out with that budget and that squad, he just will do because he's a good manager, so yeah, without doubt Watford
0: Interesting, go on and Gabe, your question fella?
6: Well I'm just curious to, to hear what the panel think about given uh, West Brom, I think it's very possible that West Brom, uh, Watford and Norwich have all got their various challenges for next season. It's possible that all three aren't going to be in the top six because Watford, uh, Norwich are going to have to have a massive rebuild. West Brom need to get their recruitment in order. Um, Watford are a bit of a basket case, as, as Chris has mentioned. And those are the three clubs that have been previously been the ones that have been yo-yoing between the Championship and the Premier League. So I'm kind of wondering, do we think the Championship Going to be quite open next season, um, and clubs like Ken's, Coventry, you know, could they have a bit of optimism that that could be their year next season if they stand down in this one?
4: Well, just but- just on just on us, okay, just to just to give the, uh, I mean, I'll leave, then I'll leave everybody else to talk about the other ones that you've mentioned. But just to sort of, um, just to give the background on us, we, if we don't go up this season, which is looking extremely likely that we won't, um, we're going to be nowhere near next year. And uh, yeah. by the way, Mickey, you don't need to throw any allegedlies in this because this is all in the published accounts, um, but uh, that, that were released last week. I mean, we've taken out a twenty million pound loan from MSD Holdings, um, which uh, which the repayments are. Going going to kick in i think in 20 in 2024 we you know we simply haven't got the money to pay for them because it was it was uh, grongole said that the reason that we've took the loan is to pay for the day-to-day running of the football club basically to cover the contracts that we've already that we've already signed up for um kieran maguire has has allegedly found that um that, that the owner has taken out um Two million in loans, and then loaned it back to the club at a higher interest rate um, that, uh, than it was taken. He's uh, it's in it's in the accounts that he has taken a five million pound loan that he has been promising to pay back since um, for about the last twelve months. That's all in the published accounts. We are. Beyond skint, and it is in it is in the chief executive's notes that um, for us to continue to be a going concern, this is pretty much word for word what Ron Gourlay put in the, in the in the chief executive's notes. For us to continue to be a going concern next season, we need we are relying on player trading this summer. So uh, to to cut through cut through the the bull on that, the long and short of it is we have got to sell our most valuable assets this summer. To continue functioning, so Wallace,
6: you keep Well,
4: well, Wallace is a difficult one because of his age. He's going to be a hard one to sell. But DK, Dara O'Shea, um, will will because pro- he's young, will probably yeah. go. Swift, if we can find <coughs> find find a buyer, you know the, these, uh, uh, possibly even Brandon Thomas Asante, another good young player. Um, we, we're basically going to we're not going to lose the guys that we'd like to get rid of, which is your your Carlin Grants. You know, no disrespect to them, but just purely on their age, Kyle Bartley, Matt Phillips. You know, people uh, older campaigners who uh, who we would probably prefer to sell. We're going to lose the younger guys who are the future of the football club. Maybe even Josh Griffiths you know mm. england under 21 goalkeeper with these are the kind of players we're going to lose in the summer if we don't go up this year i'm telling you right now we are we're a better bet
5: for relegation than we are mm. for promotion
6: i it, probably agree with that to be honest right now
5: yeah. and i think i think one of the things is though if you if you're getting to a point where you're needing to obviously sell a lot of players. Um, and you look at some of the players that have been brought in and kind of, I guess, some of the what Reading fans would call Ron Gourlay contracts that certain players have been have been put on. Um, you know, your you, you Swifts, I mean, if he was on the reported wages that was out there when when he obviously signed from Reading, no one's going to be able to buy him because no one's going to pay, pay his wages. And it's going to be problem. another Reading situation. And to be honest, Ron Gourlay was only at Reading for 18 months. 18 months following our following our um playoff um loss to Huddersfield he was there for he left in the November I think it was following and he did that much damage to mm. to Reading FC's infrastructure because you look at all the players that he put on contracts at, at Reading, ironically one of them being Swift, um Paul McShane, Gareth McCleary, Chris Gunter, the list that there was about like oh, five John O'Shea, like there, there was five, actually David Myler brought in, Christ, God alive. Um, all these players as well that, that were on long contracts. Some of them we did actually pay off and just cut, cut our losses there. But it, it's, it's yeah, you know, like I think... And that's,
6: that's the yeah. other thing about Reading, like Eamon Doolan did some incredible work with the academy oh, and it feels yeah. like a lot of that's gone to tatters because there's players yeah. like Rob Dickey and Dom Hyam and who've just cut, resurged and... Yeah. Um, and well, and I the, think... I think yep. a lot of
5: it, a lot of, a, a, um, just a quick one on on, on the thing with um, Eamon Dolan and the academy. A lot of it is actually just like, I think a, a, a number of the players, to be fair, have been good players, but Reading have never been in the position to actually integrate them into the first team. There's always been someone ever so slightly better at that time, which it, it's 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 that it's that old adage because you look at when we sold Rob Dickey, I think he was 21, 22 and only had one appearance. Um, for, for our first team, how long do you keep him? Jack Stacey was very much the same. How yeah. much longer do you keep him? And it's and you're always going to get certain youngsters that that leave your academy, leave your club, and then will flourish elsewhere. Luke Southwood could potentially be another one, to be fair, because he's yeah. gone to Cheltenham this year, been absolutely was. fantastic for him. But you look at him last year, and it, he got his chance last year in the Championship, and quite frankly, it was a car crash. You know, it, it, I think it, it that's
6: was kind of hard. I think like Cardiff away, for example, he made lo- a string of brilliant plays. He, he
4: was brilliant at our place, he, by the he, way. He, uh,
5: there, there, there was a few games where he was very good, but there was, a, there was too many times which you could flag on. And you look at certain mistakes that he made, the command of his box, he he couldn't come for crosses it, it like like he was coming for crosses dropping him I mean there was one sh- a shot that came from 30 yards against hole that he spooned into the back of his net you know like like that there, there was just too many instances where you look at in that season you think like it's just not it's not going to work but sometimes that player needs somewhere else to go and to restart yeah. his career and that's the thing with youth players and Maybe Luke kind of is a <laughs> better level yeah. for it.
6: Maybe it was a bit too much too Possibly. soon. He- yeah. Picture
1: the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery at participating restaurants. 18
6: plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com from like Eastley and loans like that. I don't know if he had a loan in League One or Two before he became Reading's first. Just, choice just
4: really quickly, guys, can I can uh, just because I think it's only fair, can I just come up, come back on Gourlay a little bit because I, I appreciate how, how Reading fans feel about him. Mm-hmm. And look, I, I was on your very podcast talking about him earlier in the season, and he hasn't helped at times, he hasn't helped. But I would like to point out that the rot set in long before Gourlay. Where, oh, and a, it was the
5: same with us, yeah. We, it was the same had, with us. It was just the icing on yeah, the cake. We, we, really. We've
4: had this owner for, uh, for six years. We they, they, they then brought in Luke Dowling as sporting director, who basically tore up our academy, tore up our recruitment team, which are two, you know, our entire uh, academy team went and worked for Villa, and what a surprise, all our best academy products, uh, Tim Iropenham, um, Finn Azaz, um, Louis, uh, Barry. Louis Barry, have all gone to Aston Villa, it's not a coincidence, um, mm. and, uh, and and also, like, the, the financial state of the club when when Gourlay came in was already precarious, I, look, there's no way I can know this for certain, so this is my opinion, it's not, it's not fact, I'd like to point, uh, point that out, but mm. I can only, only imagine that the instruction of Gaw- for Gourlay in the summer was bet the farm on promotion from the championship, which is why we went and paid big contracts for Youskoslou, Swift, Wallace, uh, all uh, all these guys. I think that that's go- that's come from the owner. Get to get to the Premier League. Get to the Premier League before these cha- uh, parachute payments have run out. The the one truly criminal thing that Ron Gourlay Gaw- has done mm-hmm. that we can never forgive him for, because I will let those contracts slide. And actually his communication has been pretty good in the last. He's the only one talking to the fans. And I do thank him for that. The one thing I will never, ever forgive him for is after giving his mate the job on a short term basis, giving Bruce a, more time from the summer onwards when he was clearly not the right man for the job. And then uh, dallying so long to sack him to the point where the instruction seemed to come. From above his head to sack him, and why we didn't when we when we had won one game all season, as as you guys said, the underachievers of the season. But we are we're, we're two points a game practically under Corbrand. If we if if we pulled the trigger on on Bruce, there's every chance that we would be where Middlesbrough are now.
5: He's got a history of doing that, wrong Gauley though, because he did the exact same with Paul Clement at Reading. Hmm. So, they're, they're like, 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 with me and Rongole, there's, there's no smoke without fire, and you almost think you've got to, like, yes, you get employed to do a job, and it's, it's ultimately on direction of the owner. He's the one that pays the wages at the end of the day, and you know runs runs the football club. It's his to do what he pleases with. Um, but you, you can't be going and doing what. Well, I, I, I just can't see how someone like Ron Rongole can think that doing what they, what you guys did in the summer was a was a good strategy you know going for for, for, for for the wages that that you guys did because you've now just dug the hole and dug almost
4: it' it's not a, it's not a good strategy, but if you but if you want promotion immediately, we had no scouting mm. network to go and find Zion Flemings and people like oh. that. We had no scouting network point. to find them, so you have to go for the blindingly obvious ones and unfortunately, the blindingly obvious ones because everyone wants them because we blew Burnley out the water for Wallace. I mean, how much money was it we have thrown at that to uh, to to blow Burnley, who had parachute payments and and all this money coming in from the players they were selling? We blew them out the water, so yeah. Or, I, I mean, or,
0: or Burnley decided actually that you probably weren't going to fit in their their squad. But anyway, Ken, come on, mate, this is turning into a West Bromwich Albion and Reading show, <laughs> and um and it's and it's a championship round table. So come on, let's let's get this Midlands accent, this mid country accent. Back on the airways. Um, I can't even remember what the question is. So, Ken, just say whatever you want to say, mate. I, I was about I to say, I'm
2: pleased you went to Ken. I can't remember what game's question was now. I can't <laughs> even, mate.
6: <laughs> so, yeah. It was that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I'm used to this. Um, no, I just thought, how open is the Championship going to be next season? If Brom well, are in the problems they've listen, got? Yeah, then...
3: Listen, uh, we, yeah. we all know, we all know sitting here, anybody can beat anybody in this league on a day. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. We've seen the results look at Huddersfield now, who'd have thought, you'd have put your money on Huddersfield going down, wouldn't you? Yeah. Look at them, and, and, and he's and he pulled them out, you know, he's pulled them out of it. Uh, so, you just need a bit, it's all confidence as well, it's down to confidence, I'm sure it is. Uh, and if you've got the right manager at the helm to do the job, I think, you like like Warnock's coming in and doing a brilliant job, but it's the same players, basically, same players, yeah, you have not really changed the players. But it's,
0: he? I think it's about, as we, we, we touched on it earlier, it's about that manager, that experience, mm. that, that's something about them that, you know, with Warner. I mean, a few of us on our show have said, you know, we'd love to have Warner at the den because he, he's good. But he, he played a blinder. When he played us, for yeah. the three, four days before he played us, I love Millwall. Millwall were blinding. Up, their fans, their fans are great. They do this, <laughs> do that. And then we had we literally had three or four days of every local paper he did he'd done a story with. And every national when all of this had done stories and they were all leaking out. And then come the day, he just fucking wrapped our player up so that he couldn't, Fleming couldn't do anything. And then afterwards he went, yeah, I've just seen that no one was wrapping him up. So I told I told our big lad, just don't let him out of your sight. And because we tied him up, he gave us access and that's it. We went on and done it. And he, and he tied us right up. But that is what he's all about.
2: Not yeah, not Ken to is- steal Ken's limelight, but just on Huddersfield as well. Not mm. only has Warnock done a fantastic job. You look at their last five games: drew one with Norwich, beat us, beat um, Middlesbrough. Yeah. And then drew two with Blackburn. All teams in the top half of the table. So it's not like he's done it against the teams around yeah. him. He's done it with all teams fighting at the top of the league. So it's an even more impressive job. But yeah, back
4: to you, Ken. Ken, can I just ask you a question? Because we're talking about managers here. Do you yeah, worry about Do you worry about somebody coming sniffing for yours? Because I find it weird that when okay. when jobs come, I'm sure you love the fact that Robbins is never never seems mm. to be anywhere near the links. But I find it bizarre right? because if you look if you look at managers over over the last ten years through the EFL and ask you know, who's done the best job. Mark Robbins has got, it's got to be there or thereabouts.
3: He's done a fantastic job, you know, he's been, he's done brilliant, you know, on, on the budget, he's, and, and all the things, all the, all the other spanners that have been thrown in the works, you know, along the way, with, with the, the ground fiasco, and the, the owners, and, and all sorts of stuff, you know, he's done a fantastic job, and I, but I think with Robbins, he, he's very, he's very loyal now, he did leave, he, if you remember, this is his second time he's been here, he left us originally to go to Huddersfield, uh, and then he came back. Um So, and I think he learned his lesson. You know that the grass is north greener on the other side. I was surprised when he came back. To be honest, I didn't think they'd, they'd have him back. But we, you know, it's fair play. He's come back and he's and, he, and he's done a fantastic job. You know, and I don't think he will leave very easily. Uh, I think he, he wants to achieve uh, the ultimate with us. I think he, he wants to get us back in the Premier, Premier League as quick as possible. Wh- when that's going to be? this season in the playoffs, whether that's going to be next season or the season after that. But, you know, I think that's his aim. Um, I am surprised uh, none of the big boys have come in for him, to be honest. Yes, I am surprised about that. I don't think he'd leave for another championship club. I think if he's going to leave, I think it would be at the team
6: in the Premier League. Um, I, just just to add to, to your point there, though, Ken, I think there's a couple of things here, which is, firstly, I mean, I don't want for a moment to underplay how amazing a job Mark Robbins has done at Coventry, mm. because he's a club legend, you know, where's the going to go and all the rest of it. Um, but when he's not managed Coventry, uh, if you look at his other stints as a manager at Huddersfield, at Barnsley, mm. at Stenthorpe yeah not not great not um, great you're right yeah. and on the other side of that i think that if you're a manager that doesn't have this illustrious managerial pedigree yeah. and you're you know in your i think is he in his 50s now late 50s yeah um I don't necessarily know that there is that appeal for him to get Premier League jobs. So for me, I see him staying at Coventry for another, um, you know, five, six, seven years. Just because I don't see him there necessarily being a huge sort of um, lucrative appeal to, to Mark Robbins in the market mm-hmm. elsewhere. As incredible a manager he is for, for your lot, and I'm sure that sits you down to the ground as well.
3: Yeah, I think I think certain managers suit certain clubs, don't they? Sometimes mm-hmm. if face fits and. The surroundings fit, and and the people he works with are good. He's brought a great backroom staff in; they're fantastic, um, you know. And he's got a great bunch of players, and he loves the club. And, and I do think his face fits, and I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll leave anytime soon. To be honest, um, it will take a very, very big offer, for, for, you know, for him to to move. And I, I certainly don't think he'll he'll move to another Championship club, and it'd, it'd have to be a, a major, major offer. And I'd be very surprised if he did move now. To be honest, I think he's he's with us for the long term, hopefully. Fingers crossed.
4: We touched Just, on it before, didn't we? Like how dangerous it can be when you look at Nathan Jones thinking mm, that the grass is yes. greener. Mm.
3: Yeah, No, exactly. Be,
0: before we um, carry on, those of you, I did say probably be about 40 minutes or so, we've gone over an hour um i'm thinking we could go on maybe for another <laughs> 20 minutes or so just take yeah. go up for an hour and a half but look we, we can go on as we can go on as long as you guys are around to do it if you can't do it then just drop in the chat that you need to come out yeah no we're not going to be here that long gab but listen there's loads of comments what we need to get through there's some great questions coming in and i'd like to hit some of these comments but i do understand that it is friday night and you guys might be busy so if you do need to chip we off we haven't got live just mate. let me go well, <laughs> right, okay, well that's
2: that's fine. Mickey, I mean Mickey, can I just finish on Gabe's question? Because I didn't get a Course chance. You can. The openness of the championship, I think even next year it's gonna be bigger because I think the three clubs that are gonna come down, I think the three in the bottom three of the Premier League now, I think mm. they're all gonna be in trouble next year because I think Forrest are gonna to have to have a clear out, I think Leicester are gonna to have to have a clear out, and I just I don't know with Southampton, it is a big question mark. So I think even more so next year, I don't think you're gonna have a Burnley in the league or a Sheffield United or even a Borough if they go up. Um so I think it's going to be really, really open next year.
0: I also I also think I mean Gabe will know this thing, but I think there's there four clubs what potentially could have gone administration so far this season in the in the championship. Um or, or there was, you know, speculations with point deduction. I mean Reading got it for something else. Um Wigan got points deduction as well and there's a couple of others that are looking at point deductions and everything else. I think money within football now is so tight um and so many clubs over so many years have just spunk money for the sake of trying to get to the promised land and it doesn't turn up and then all of a sudden you you hit the premier you 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 get relegated from the premiership you lose half your players potentially because none of them want to take the pay cut. So they all try and desperately stay in the Prem. And then you, you filled in a load more players, try up in their wages to try and get good players. And then if you don't get promoted, you're then looking to get rid of those or look for other ones to try and stable the boat. Or stabilize the boat. But it just it it, it never happens. And it, and we are starting to see that massive divide between the prem and championship in in finance, not yeah. in ability to a degree, but more in finance, I think, is um, is, is starting to be unbelievable. I mean, we're quite lucky; but we have a wage cap that, which isn't is bundles, but you know, probably about fifteen grand a week um, a cap. But some of the other clubs in the premiership have got players on forty, forty five thousand a week. Which oh, part, part is not problem. sustainable in this championship. Joe, we're no, we looking at, not, not you know. Sense. I mean, I know I've got a question up there at the bottom. What we come to in a sec, but I think we know why the championship or the AFL etc. are looking at tying up their own monetary for TV rights and everything else because there's more money if they can do it themselves. The Premiership will look at doing it themselves because that money they can demand goes to them rather than. Paying a, a you know a third party, and also you've got the data wrapped around it. If yeah, you've got fans buying matches from you direct for whatever price, you've then got their data. That data is worth more than what it is for their eleven ninety nine or nine ninety nine to watch a game. It, it, it's worth a fortune. I mean, I don't know what what you guys' thoughts are on that, but yeah, well, three nil by good. the way, Borough just- three nil up.
4: I was just going to say. I mean, to, to, thanks to, to, to Ben
0: the po- for the updates.
4: <laughs> to, to the point that <laughs> you've been making, and to and to Gabe's initial.
0: I mean, point. I'll go. Uh, I mean, Ken, go to you. Yeah, okay. I've lost you. Oh, yeah.
2: Ken doesn't seem to be moving on my screen.
4: No, he's he's, he's very still, very still. No,
0: no. Gone, Chris. I lost I was you just, uh, then, yeah, yeah, on on. sorry.
4: I was, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say to the initial point, uh, and saying it very, very quickly. I think the clubs that are run sustainably and actually have patience and build something over a period of time, like your Lutons, are actually going to flourish in the championship in the coming years. Over your short-termism, spend a lot of money, throw it at it, try and get into the Premier League as fast as you can. Clubs like we've been, I think. I I think you're going to see your Lutons. Flourish over your over your West Brom types in in, in the coming years. That's 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 my 100%. personal opinion.
5: I think just 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 to jump in quickly as well. um Like I think you've got you've got the new wage cap coming in the EFL in the coming seasons as well. With the, I think it's ninety percent of your spend, then eighty, then seventy percent in a few years' time, isn't it? I think. Mm-hmm. Um. So you've got that coming in, but like when 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 you look at that, it's going to have to change the premier leagues or the premier league clubs coming down philosophy quite a lot because a lot of them are able now actually to keep their players because they're getting a 60 million pound cash injection on the first dropped on the first season they dropped down from the premier League, which is quite frankly ludicrous when you think about it you know like west brom when you look at west broms losses this year when that's taken into account that's including their i think it's 38 million pound parachute payment they got for year two you know and w- w- when you look at the, the bumps of money these clubs are getting from the Premier League? Because again, it's not the EFL that restricts that. The Premier League will say, oh, we give uh, like £1.5 billion or something to the, to the Football League every season. That's because that's they take into account the Premier League or the Premier League parachute payment money that they yeah. they put into that. And what happens to it, if those Premier League clubs go back up, it goes back to the Premier League and doesn't hit the EFL. But so it's, the, it's a massive, massive problem. That the prime that, example
0: you've got to look at is uh, say Ipswich comes up and Southampton comes down. On the first day, on, on August the 6th, August the 4th next season, Southampton would already have £60 million in their bank account ready yeah. to buy players. Yeah. Ipswich will have probably barely a million pounds for winning League One.
5: It's sickening. It's, it's 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 a massive, massive problem. But but of course, that's governed by the by the Premier League because it's the Premier League that sets the structure. It's the Premier League. Of course, you'll say that the EFL have to accept it, but the EFL would probably rather accept that than try and this. push back. But you, you, something's got to be done on it because it's, it's, it's an ludicrous. it's an unfair
3: advantage, isn't it? Yeah, fact, down. But the
0: biggest, the, sorry, Kent Kane. There, the biggest problem yeah. is that we've had allegedly fucking idiots running the FA for mm. so many years. And the people who run the premiership are very clever, very smart people who repositioned their self all those years ago into a standalone premiership rather than the Barclays League or Barclays Premier League. And, and then it become out of the league and it become the premiership, a standalone business where they could do all their own bartering, all their own things, all their own licensing and products and everything else away from the FA and went you can just have that when actually you've now got the Premier League who runs the top half. You've then got the EFL what runs what the, the next three leagues. The FA's got England and the National Leagues. And that's pretty much it. So they've literally dug themselves a big hole and let these other companies suddenly make billions and billions a year for themselves and screwed the middle teams in the middle. Well, yeah, the,
4: the, the FA lost it in '92, but they can't do anything now. I mean, people keep no. going on about the the the, the F, like Albion fans. I hear Albion fans saying, "Why? Where are the FA in all of this?" The FA have got no power over our ownership. It's it, it, it was signed off by the Premier League because we were in the Premier League at the time. Yep. And now, if we had a new owner want to buy us, it would be the EFL signing off. People need to realise the the FA. Uh, uh, then they're, they're not. They've got no power in this. That was done in 1992. You know. Do you know
6: what, Chris? I hate to bring politics into football because I know it can be a very divisive topic. But I think it's got to that stage. To be honest, I think this is now a political issue. I think if football wants to take control of the distribution of wealth, I think it needs some sort of government intervention. We'll, we'll, it's not we'll, going to happen. We had that. We'll, not we'll, we'll, we'll we'll going no, no, to
4: the no, no, There's a white we, paper we, on the table. It's not going
5: to happen. Trust me, the you, Premier you'll, League... You'll have the Premier League clubs. that I mean, you already had pretty much all the Premier League owners coming out um, objectifying against it because, again, it will make them poorer because, yeah. because more money will end up coming to the Championship and the like. There is... know, they're, all they're cared about, all they care about, is the money that goes into their club at the end of the day, which, to be fair, yeah. you, that's probably all you would care about if that's your club, right? There, listen, if... you've,
0: got, you've got loads of EFL CEOs and other club senior management going listen, we need this fans' paper, we need a shadow board, we need this, we need that. If you really think that's going to come in, it's not. It's three years away at least, and in that three years, you're looking at someone with the greatest lobbying power in the world called the Premier League, who knows how to entertain people, knows how to wine and dine people and get their decisions on board, and they will smooch smooch the government, they will smooch organisations and they will bring in all their own regulations, which pretty much on the government side, what the government are looking to do. But under their terms and they go, we don't need it now. We've got it all. Look, we're <laughs> kicking. We're kicking Man City to bits. We're kicking this team to bits. We're doing this. EFL's going to do the same Going Well, look, we held Reading to account. We've deducted them three points. We've done Wigan to so many points. We're going to do this team so many points who's done this. Why do we need government intermission? We don't.
6: We we can manage well, not, it ourselves. But, that's, that's but what can drives
4: I just? No, oh, I was just going to say that's what drives me crackers as well. The punishments for this are points deductions. How does that punish the owners? Somebody, somebody, explain to me how on earth deducting Wigan or Reading or back in the day Luton or or Bolton or any any one of these myriad of clubs that you could name who've had points deductions over the last fifteen years. How has any cheap? of that punished the people mm-hmm. in charge of the football clubs? How did Derby's points uh, pro- uh, deductions punish Mel Morris? I'd love to know that. I'd love somebody to tell mm-hmm. me that because <laughs> I, for the life of me, cannot see it.
5: That's that's that that's the nail on the head, really. You know, and because and it's it's, it's funny because like the minute you have points deductions. Mm-hmm flirted about in the Premier League um, you know you had it when the Super League came in and then and then people people were like oh well that doesn't punish the owners it doesn't punish the owners all it punishes is, is the fans but it's like you look at every like like every club once they come out of the Premier League it's always points deductions and it's it just like like I say it, it doesn't punish anyone apart from the fans because it I, unless I, I, they want just relegation and and that's their punishment I'm glad you
6: mentioned the Super League, though, Matt, because I think that's a good example of how um, fan power and people power can have some sort of influence over the the authorities and the mega rich people, because Mm -hmm. at the same time, the Premier League is a brand, the TV companies are the brand. Um, They're reliant on us as fans paying for tickets to, to watch football matches, paying for TV subscriptions. So collectively, we as people have the power. It's just that we've indirectly chosen to give that power up. But I think that the Super League and how quickly that was shut down. I think that shows there is still hope for us. Not much hope. To, to, so. a, to a point,
4: to a point, Gabe. But what I would also say is that those clubs who entered into that Super League—and sorry, I know we're slightly veering off uh, away from the champ—but it, it's it's all it's all interconnected because the money problems are there in the Championship, and it all filters down when the money is too too much at the top, it, it filters down into problems below. And uh, the at the bottom line is that the clubs who entered into the into the Super League—they may not have got a Super League, but what they did is they still got a reform of the UEFA Champions League that is a super league in everything but the name. So so the reality is yes there was an element of of fan power that it got the super league shut down. But if the, but they still got what they wanted in the end and you're not telling me that if they hadn't ended up getting what they wanted that they would have they would have just rolled over and had their belly scratched. I, I don't I don't believe it.
0: Okay. I'll put a different angle on it. This was a perfect PR process what they did what they want is they they want a standalone league for the top six or so away from the premiership where they have the most pulling power for tv revenue etc 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 right and what they did is they went right how are we going to do this well we need to make sure that fans are on board and we know that they're not so they put out these stories blaming more the european teams who were the ones leading the charge for this and let the fans go mad the fans went mad, and then all of a sudden they come out and went, yeah, no, this isn't a good idea. We we, we didn't think this. We we think it needs to be looked at in, in more detail. And then all of a sudden, the English clubs look like the saviours, and they threw the Italian sides out and the, the Spanish teams out to the Wolves. And, you know, over there they don't really give a shit because most people would only care about watching the top two or three teams rather than the, the whole league. and. Yeah. That's where it's come. This is a massive PR. And if you can't say that you get played by these these people in charge of football organisations, we are no longer football fans. We are customers. And it is all about our spend head. That's why, you know, Millwall put a, 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 a statement out this week talking about, you know, um, we hit 5,000 overseas fans this year and they're looking to increase that and all of that because they're the people that turn up and go to a game Buy two or three tickets, spend 100, 150 quid in the club shop, buying mm-hmm. all the shirts and scarves, etc., etc., etc. to wear, buying the shit burgers and the fucking drinks and overpriced watered down beer and all that lot. They're the people what spend ahead head is worth a fortune to the club, more mm-hmm. so than me or you who we'll go out, buy a season ticket, you know, don't really drink at the ground. We drink in the pubs beforehand because we know it's one impossible to get a beer during halftime. Two, it tastes like shit. You don't want a burger that's been sitting there since 11 o'clock or a sausage roll that's been sitting there since 11 yeah. o'clock or even buying buying a sausage roll that's going to cost you four and a half quid. And whenever you do question it, they go, but well, that's what price it is at these events nowadays. But you're not an event. You're at a community activity with working class fans what go and give you and support you all the time for love, money, everything else. It's, it's a bugbear of mine.
6: Do you know what Mickey? I, I completely feel you, and I think that lots of uh, fans of clubs, that, you know, championships, certainly Premier League, are feeling completely disconnected with their club. And you know, I know a, a West Brom fan um, who's a there's one fan. on here. He ain't fucking yeah, sharp
0: all night. <laughs> right, <exactly.
6: laughs> uh, but another West Brom fan who actually did a podcast with Chris, so a family friend, who said the reasons he actually fell in love with West Brom Chelsea and aren't actually there. Right now, and I think part of the reason why I do what I do, which is kind of covering and promoting the EFL more generally, including leagues one and two, is because some of these clubs—it's far from perfect—the EFL, of course, in terms of ownership. But there's lots of clubs that really care about the people, that are happy to say hello to you, that welcome fans, that uh, sort of repay the loyalty of season ticket holders. There's a community feel, and I think at parts of the Premier League and even parts of the Championship. I think we're losing that a little bit. Um, and I think there's EFL clubs in the lower leagues that have got, I think I think nowadays football fans have got to almost follow two teams. If you initially supported a Premier League team, I think if you want both your boxes ticked where you want to watch top level football and you want to feel a sense of community, I think you've got to sort of follow two teams now. Uh, I think that's the only way of checking both boxes, and I know I might, you know, you're a Millwall fan. You want, you might feel like that's a horrible thing to say, but I think that's the truth for a lot of people.
0: There you go. Look, two hundred tickets at Fulham for next season are three thousand pound each. That's when you know they've taken, they've taken, um, they've taken, you know, an eighteen percent increase in season tickets and everything else. So, uh, yeah, it's madness. Oh, look, I'll miss the fucking hide alone.
2: Mickey, there was a a really good question earlier about the uh, top three managers of the season. I'd like to... Yeah,
0: I did quote on on that, that. and then we went off tangent, but we'll come back to that right now. It's another one of Glenn's... No, it wasn't Glenn, was it? Where is it? It was... Was it Glenn? Um,
2: (laughs) I just see no-miles comment.
0: I know, I know. No, no, Sky Blue Sam... so Omar will pay for that comment don't panic (laughs) Uh, he's 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 the guy I started this with for you guys who don't know who Omar is he's the guy I started this podcast with a couple of years ago so um, yeah he's always brave on the keyboard never that brave on the face to face he's got login details he can come on now but he won't Um, who makes we'll start with you Ben then go Ken and then go Gab um, Matt and then you Chris Chris who makes your three nominations for manager and player of the season in the Championship and why?
2: Well, I do my managers first, but without question, and if anyone argues with me, they're just wrong, is Gareth Ainsworth, the fantastic job he's doing in getting QPR relegated this season. Um, yeah, has <laughs> Never to forget manager. what he yeah. did to Tony Craig. <laughs> Absolutely, 100% manager of the season, if he manages to take QPR down. No, but in all seriousness, I think has to be Rob Edwards. Um, I know the kind of foundations were already there at Luton. Um, I think he was extremely harshly dealt with at Watford. but We've already touched upon Watford and what shambles they are. But what he's done, again, with them is is just superb. Um, I could have put them in my biggest overachievers of the season and the best team that I'd seen. I think they've been brilliant. They weren't very good against us the other week, but it was kind of a must-not-lose game for them, I feel like. But, yeah, I think he's been manager of the season by quite some way. You could argue argue Michael Carrick with the position he took over at Borough, but again, I think their squad was kind of already there from what Wilder left behind, but um, yeah, I'm going to go with Gareth Ainsworth if if he manages to get QPR relegated or when, and then Rob Edwards to to pip him if they don't. And the players I haven't thought of, I'm going to come back with, but probably Zian Fleming when he takes us to the Premier League.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Good again. Uh, I'll probably agree with you there with the Luton manager, to be fair. They've been fantastic on the budget, uh, probably smaller than ours or very similar to ours. Um, although I think obviously my manager Robbins has done a fantastic job to get us where we are because I don't want to pick my own manager in this. If I'm not going to pick my own manager, if I had to pick somebody else, I'd go for um, uh, Edwards at Luton, yeah, without a doubt. I think. Um, for a small budget, for a small club, for a small run, very small. They don't get many fans in that, as we all know. If you've ever been in the away end at Luton, it's um, very compact and the ground's very, uh, very small. We don't get many tickets, so they obviously don't make too much money uh, on the stadium and and, and games, uh, so their budget's got to be very small. So, yeah, simply because of that, for the budget and and, and what he has to work with and, and, and the team's very solid. Uh, they do get results maybe they don't play the way everybody likes the way they play but uh, they get results and in this league it's all about getting results isn't it and, and, and they're up there in the in the playoffs so yeah I'd agree with you there I'll go for the Luton manager
6: Okay Gab um, yeah, certainly second, the Luton, uh, Rob Edwards. I'd probably go for Michael Carrick at Middlesbrough just for that transformative impact that he's made. And obviously Vincent Kompany at uh, Burnley for obvious mm. reasons. In terms of player of the season, I think I would give it to Victor Jokeres. I think he's been the best player in the league, um, closely followed by Iliman and Jai and uh, Chibarap, Akpom of Middlesbrough and Jair of Sheffield United. And it's funny, actually, because I don't have a Burnley player in there, but I think they've just been so good consistently across the whole team as opposed to relying on one standout individual.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, obviously, I think we would all agree that Vincent Company's has done unbelievable things, but it's weird that none of us have picked them, right? They could go on and break the, 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 the Championship point record. I think that's still on. And none of mm. us have said that he's going to be manager of the season. But, yeah, interesting one go on, I say man. that oh yeah I no I'll,
5: I'll i'll jump in there because for me I, I i don't think you can look past vincent company to be honest as, as as manager of the month you know you look at you look at your 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 mark robbins your um uh oh, i've forgotten the Luton manager's name already edwards, edwards. edwards. edwards rob edwards you, you like you you look at you look at them and they've they've done good jobs but at the end of the day the job is to win games in the championship and the, the job is to get promoted and i you you look at the all round job that company's done at uh, uh, um, Burnley, and I just you can't you can't look past that. I don't think. Um, so for me, it'd be company uh, manager of the month. Second would probably be Michael Carrick. Just looking at the the difference that Carrick has brought to to Borough, and also the football that they that they do play. Again, it's just been a total revolution of their of their style of play. Um, followed by third, probably Rob Edwards um, for 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 manager of the month, uh, manager of the year. Sorry for me. Um, Play, players of the season um i think obviously Chibrapcom has to be up there you know top top goal scorer in the in in the league will probably win that um victor Jokeres as well i think you can't you, you can't leave him out um and kind of i'm struggling with a third one because it's stuck between two i think which would be between josh brown and <laughs> Of um, uh, Burnley because he's been absolutely fantastic in that mm. midfield for um, for Burnley and kind of the similar sort of role for Sheffield United in Oli Oli Norwood, who I think is probably one of the most criminally underrated players in the Championship. I remember him back when he used to play for Reading back in fourteen fifteen. Um, he was criminally underrated then. Then obviously goes to goes to um, Brighton make, makes his name, but I I don't think you you'll find a more kind of complete championship midfielder who can just run a game on a on a week-to-week <laughs> basis than the norwood um and doesn't get the praise i think that he probably probably deserves so i know i've kind of cheated there with um saying four because i i would probably <laughs> want to put norwood in the top three um uh, but i don't think i could leave Brownhill out because he's captain <clears> Obviously, this burnley team being so instrumental to it um so, uh, so yeah i've kind of cheated there but i hope that's okay that's fine with me go on in, chris
4: I mean, look, I'd, I'd probably go over a lot of the names that everybody else has go, gone for because I'd probably end up plumping for my top three being uh, Company, Carrick, and uh, and Rob Edwards, not necessarily in that order. So, uh, but I, I just want to give a nod to 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 um to a couple of others that haven't got mentioned. I mean, first of all, Tony Mowbray at Sunderland. I, I don't think a, a promoted side from League One has ever finished in the top half since the Championship was rebranded as the Championship. I think it flies under the radar. What a job he has done to take Sunderland mm. up from League One and have them in contention at the end of the season for a playoff uh, place. I, I think because Sunderland is such a massive club, people just assume, oh, Sunderland would be up there. But it, 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 never, it has never happened before, from what I, from what I understand, that a, that, that a promoted club has actually gone on and finished in, in the top half of the championship. So, Can uh, I just uh, ask
5: you a question on him quickly? Do you think Alex Neal finishes where just, they are right now? Just on that, Chrissy, I'm pretty
2: sure we did in 1617. I think then we finished eighth the year after. Okay,
4: but but nonetheless, (laughs) it's an achievement. It's still it's still I think it's a real achievement to come up from the from League One and not be anywhere not even not be anywhere near 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 the um, the relegation battle, but to be actually in in with a very very outside sniff of the playoffs um and no to answer your question i i don't i'm i'm i've never been convinced by alex neal um i look i'm biased on tony mowbray because i did uh, I, i did work with him at west brom and i think he's a fantastic manager and i think he's criminally underrated um and just while on the Sunderland thing, in terms of players, look, again, I could go through all the same names that we've gone through, but I do think the lad, Diao, uh, at, at Sunderland is... What the <coughs> heck he's doing in this... Div- is it Diao, Diallo? Diallo. Um, uh, Diallo, sorry. Uh, what the heck he's doing in this division is absolutely beyond me. He is just a cut above. Uh, I mean, in terms of ability on on the ball, I think uh, I think there's only really him and maybe Zahori that I've seen this season that probably have the that technical ability to beat a player. Um I just think he's I just think he is an unbelievable, unbelievable player. And the only other one that I just chuck a mention to, if I was going to go on a second half of the season player, I think Sammy Smodics at, at Blackburn has absolutely <laughs> Transform them. I think he's. Uh, I. I mean, what he's done in the cups has been unbelievable. But the the I. I. Th- for. I've said all season. I. Th- I. I didn't think Blackburn were all they were cracked up to be. I thought they'd drop out the playoffs. But the, the way Smoddix has come into that front three and played has has made me think again on Blackburn because I just think he's been an absolute revelation for them.
2: Just before we leave the manager piece, Mickey, and I know you're still on mute, so I can jump in now. I'm just going to say, because no-one said it, Gary Rowett as an outside nomination, because I know we're Mill fans. He hasn't even had the best rep with us at times, and he struggled to win us over. But for us to finish again, whether we do finish in the top six or, top six or not, to finish as close as we will do to the playoffs on the budget we have, the, 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 the just the the managerial effort he's done over the last three years and it's probably another conversation I don't think he'll be with us for much longer but a massive shout out for Gary Rowett he might not win manager of the season or be everyone's favourite manager but he's done a great job with us
6: absolutely if I can um, I've you got you a head sheet off now but thanks for God, you, for you want to rush off don't and you so yeah no no thanks <laughs> for coming <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah no um, yeah thanks for having me and all the rest of the lines for the rest of the season mate
0: yeah, no worries. We'll get you on again. We'll get you on again, Gabe. Don't worry. All right, fucking... Maybe we won't. You go off that quickly. Right, bear with me, gents. Let's just have a look through these um, comments and just hit some of these. Um, again, our, one of our guys has said, you know, the job company's done on transfer and their style of play <laughs> is underappreciated. Um, great squad to choose from the resources. Did not lose players, key players, last season either. Let's... Um, Just have a look and see. Victoria uh, managers Rowett, Edwards, and Robbins—three teams punching above their weight. Really, really incredible, um, really incredible Mm. jobs. Norwood's record for being a key player in teams to win promotion from championship is impressive. (laughs) Mulberry's piggybacking off the good work Alex Neal did at Sunderland. I, I don't agree with that.
4: Don't don't uh, I don't agree with that at all. Because you look at the way he's changed their style of play. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not I'm 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 not having that. I think if you if you watch Sunderland last season and how Alex Neal got them got them promoted, the way Tony Mowbray plays is completely different. So no, I'm not having that.
5: It's no, okay. with, with 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 their fullbacks. It's it, he's pressing their fullbacks really high. Um, it's one thing I noticed when, when when we went up to the stadium. we liked to watch him um, because I can't remember. I, I think it was number forty two or something on the left. He he was all over the place. Like he was on the left. He was on the right. It's it's a very dynamic style of play, and it's not it's not an Alex Neal style. That's for sure. No. So yeah, I I have to back you up mm. on that one there. Yeah. Some Dave Clark's left a great message in the chat.
0: Norwich <laughs> are playing like Reading tonight.
5: <laughs> no, they're not, because Norwich have actually scored a goal at Middlesbrough. So, um, yeah. <laughs> right. There was some... Um, one
0: for, there we go. There, this is a question What's in my book, and we'll come to this one, and then we'll come to the one. I mean, why are the referees this season so inconsistent?
3: <laughs>
4: because they're the Premier League cast-offs.
0: Mm. I yeah, mean, we, yeah. we've, we, we, we've,
4: we've got the guy... Uh, I think he's doing yeah. commentary DPR this weekend. Yeah, he is. He's yeah, screwed, he is. Up, yeah. he screwed up the VAR. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's 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 exactly that and 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 i think there's there's no retribution for refs you know we've talked about this for season upon season um refs can have a bad game and it will just be ticked off for the next game or they'll just be dropped down a division like oh god only hope I, I I dread to think what league one refs are like. I'm preparing myself already for that abomination next year they're, to be honest they're, they're not um, very good I sure. Yeah, no, like because because the the lower down you get, like like say you just get the cast off, so there's no kind of try and try or process to follow to make sure, you know, lessons are tried to be learned or you know, you try and understand where you went wrong or that or maybe there is and we don't see it, but or consistent all, all, all standard that
3: has to be met.
5: Yeah. Yeah, mm. exactly that. Do,
3: do, do you think uh, do you think VAR do you think VAR would be good in a championship?
4: No, because I... it because it still takes human beings to use it and the human beings don't seem to know the the, the, the laws mm. of the game. Do...
0: So... Do we need it? Because all championship teams at the moment have um Hawkeye. We've all, we've yeah. all got Hawkeye in our stadium, but a cost of stupid amounts for the clubs sort of close to about eighty grand, I think it was. Mm. But we've all got Hawkeye. That then tells us if a goal is a goal. Do yeah. we need V do we need V A R? Really? Because no, to no, me really. it take to me, it's for instance, Millwall versus West Brom, playoff final. In the pre-legs or, or in the in the playoff semis, we're playing you and we get a dodgy penalty decision and we score, we go on to win. They're the memories what live with you forever. Fucking hell, that was never a foul. But at yeah, least, you know... But it. You flip it the yeah, other no, way. You flip it
5: the other
0: way. Yeah, but that's always the reputation. What you always have is following a football team. You'll have one decision go your way or one don't. And, and that's what these cup finals, everything else all come down yeah. to a memory that last forever. Yeah. You say he's bringing VAR. It's gone. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I'll just,
2: just, argue that football, we're trying to make football a very emotionless mm. environment. And yeah. I think that I disagree.
3: Five, I disagree. Five, one,
2: five, one to meters well, by the way. Um, just for a live like, update to keep them rolling. In. Yeah, I think we're trying to make it a very like, emotionless environment and we need to keep some sort of... Whilst there needs to be an element of getting every decision correct, there needs to be a little bit of, as Chris said, there's, still, there's always going to be human error, whether it's on the pitch, with replays or without yeah. it. I think unless it's a massively glaring 10-yard offside or handball goal like Thierry Henry against Ireland or something like that, mm. I think it should just be left. I think well, these my, tight but, calls but should just be but, left. right?
4: My my problem with it, sorry, just to quickly say, is that it is that it's fine with, with with offsides. At least that's cut and dried. Uh, but but when when we're when we're refereeing, for everything example, everything else is subjective, foul, right? Yeah, it's it, it's it's a matter of opinion. What I think is a foul is not the same as what Matt or Ben or Mickey or Ken might think is a foul. Mm. It's it, it. I don't understand why we're using VAR for stuff which it, it cannot be proven one way or another. It's entirely subjective,
5: mm. but. But I, like I think I, I I think one thing with VAR everyone complains about still is is the offsides and yet the offsides are still quite 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 clear and people are still like oh no you can't be calling that offsides. It's well the the line the line is that I know people say about where the lines get drawn and that and you know it's hard to actually pick where the ball's kicked and that but I think for me it's just you what you, you want the you want the result to be the fairest result possible. And if, if you've got a bad referee on the day, I mean, I remember Christ when, when we played Sheffield Wednesday, a couple of seasons back when we had pretty much four stonewall penalties that weren't given, you know, and well, I'd probably say three stonewall penalties, but four penalties could have definitely been given that day. Cause one was probably 50, 50 and none of them were given, you know, and, and you've, you've got to be getting to the fairest result. And we didn't win the game that day either. I don't think from memory, I think we drew it one, one, um, yeah, for, for me, it's just got to be the, the 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 way that you get the fairest result, and you've got to get the the decisions mostly right. You know, and it, Championship refs have proven that, that that they can't do that on a weekly basis. Seemingly, be it offside, right. penalties, whatever.
0: Right here we go. We're going to start. We're going to shut down now. As such, this is going to be the final question. This was supposed to be a, a forty-minute show. What's turned into nearly an hour and a half. <laughs> Uh, which I don't have an issue with. It's been a good crack and it's flowed well. And we've discussed loads of bits and we we'll definitely have to do these again. Um, right. Ben wants a question, which I want to question. Um, who are your top two and who are your playoff contenders? Um, we'll start with you first, Chris, and then go to you, Matt, you, Ken, and then.
4: You um, got
2: relegation there as well, Mickey, because that's still yeah. quite tight.
0: We
4: can yeah, do that. Yeah. yeah who's, well, who's well, I Top got
2: well. And Burnley, relegation,
4: yeah. Burnley are gone, so there's, there's, no, there's no, no point There's Who's going to finish it, second? Um, I, I think Sheffield United will just about do it. Not least because they've still got a playoffs at home, so that's three points. Um, but uh, I, I think I, I, I think if, if I was going to expect anybody to get in there, I would actually fancy Luton over Borough. I think they're more consistent in terms of uh, in terms of four to make the playoffs. Luton borough without a shadow of a doubt millwall and then the last the, the last space i i've said all season that blackburn will blow it and I'm, so i'm going to stand by that and i'm going to say preston are going to nick in there and then my three to go down look wigan and blackpool are gone i don't think uh, you know you've got you only got to look at the league table to to uh, to see that um, and qpr they're falling like a flipping stone, and there's always one every year that just cannot stop falling and falling and falling.
5: Okay, Matt. Um, yeah, I think the top two is pretty much wrapped up. I don't think it needs much dis- discussion on that one. Burnley and Sheffield, um, will be promoted for me. Um, and I'll be honest, I think I got the same top three as uh, to- uh, playoff four as you, Chris, there with Borough, Luton, um, Millwall, and Preston, um, because Preston are hitting form right at the right time um you know you look at I think I think they're four four wins in five and I mean to be fair when I look at how they played against us last week uh, I mean they were absolutely fantastic if they can get that that home form a bit better um, you know hope hopefully they can they, they can kick on and you know get that um I don't think Norwich Norwich will, will get in there I think they'll just miss out Blackburn as well again it will getting out of form at the wrong time in the season, which again, you know, we've seen it time and time again with with, with teams that hit form at the end of the season, teams that drop out. Um, bottom three, um, Wigan and Blackpool, I think, are done. Um, and I know we've talked about how QPR have dropped like a stone, but I mean, Reading can't buy a win at the moment. And to be honest, even though we've sacked Paul, w- with Paul Lintz, we were 100% to go down. That, that, there was no chance we were getting out that relegation stone with, with Paul Lintz. Even with Hunt for the end to, to the end of the season, it, it's an unknown. It's still probably well, I, I've been saying about we've got about fifteen percent chance of, of survival. Probably a bit too probably a bit too low because you'd probably think one in four, twenty five percent, one in four times we might be able to get out of there. Um, but you just look at the teams we still got to play: Burnley this weekend, um, Luton after that, Coventry away. They're pretty much three games, which you, you know you can't really see us. Getting points, out. even though we're strong at home, Luton, Burnley, you're not going to get points against, I don't think. Coventry away, we've got we, we we don't win away, so again, you can't really not won away since uh, November, so you know it's probably not going to be a result there either. Um, two games at the end of the season, Wigan and uh, Huddersfield on the last day might pick up points, but we might be cut adrift by then. So, um, so yeah, I'll, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna put my own team in there. Unfortunately, that's Reading. So, this is wow. the third team. Wow! Um,
0: those of you watching or listening or, or getting involved in the comments, put your who you think are going to be the the top six and who you think are going to be the bottom three. Get those in the comments; that'd be good to see. Um, Ken, who are your top six? <laughs> obviously, take Burnley out. But who are your top five and who are yeah. your uh, your bottom three?
3: Okay, I'll take Burnley out, obviously. And uh, you can include
0: you... yourself if you want.
3: Yeah, I certainly will be. Um, <laughs> or what I think, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um. Sheffield United, as it is, I think, will come second, obviously. Middlesbrough third. Uh, I think, as it is now, Luton. I think your South will be fifth. Millwood, as they are now. And we will sneak into sixth place, I think, only because I think we've got a reasonable run-in with games we've got to play. We've got QPR away on Saturday. I say we've got Reading at home, Birmingham at home. And we're ho- the only difficult one, really, is Middlesbrough away the last game of the season. But we're hoping, by that time, Maybe it'll be settled. That—that's the only hope I've got. Obviously, with that one, but that's the most yeah. difficult game out of, the, out of the final games we've got. Yeah. I think on paper, but as you know, and I've yeah. said, it, anybody on a day, anybody can beat anybody, and so unpredictable, isn't it? So you've got to be on it. Absolutely. Um, but, so,
0: who are your bottom three?
3: Bottom three, I'm going to get obviously Wigan, and Blackpool. I don't know. I just got a funny feeling QPR will get relegated. Yeah, I agree with you. Know, I think Reading will get out of it. And I think QPR will slip into that bottom third place because I think they're just lacking confidence at the moment. You've Even both got
5: they... very much more faith than I do. I need to get <laughs> I need to get your optimism, honestly. It's, it's not faith
4: in Reading, mate. It's a lack of faith in QPR. <laughs>
5: that's, that's fair enough. It's fair enough. <laughs> Gordon, on Ben.
2: Yeah, I think if anyone's pipping Sheffield United, I think it will be Luton. Um, obviously, they've got a game in hand on Borough now, so I think it will be. So I'm going to stick my neck out just to say something different and say Luton will catch Sheffield United because Sheffield United have got the FA Cup semi-final mm. coming up soon, could play a bit of a part. So Sheffield United, Borough, ourselves, just listening to what you were saying, Ken, your injuries, I was going to put you guys in there. The thing with Preston as well, Chris, obviously they're on a great run, but they've played no one in the top half of the table pretty much, they're had a really quite an easy run. I've stuck my neck out on our pod this week and said we're going to spank them this weekend. It's going to be 3-0, so that's going to put the end... To their playoff chances. So I've backed you guys, Chris, for the top six. So I'm hoping there's going to be some late <laughs> run for you guys. So I'm going to say that. Um, so yeah, I think you'll, you'll change be us. your
4: mind after we get beat at Stoke on Saturday.
2: <laughs> no, I've got faith, Chris. I've got uh, faith, Chris. So I think uh, West Brom for a late run into the top six. And Matt, I'm going to say you're going to have a new manager bounce. And as I've said, I, I'm just looking at QPR's fixtures, they've obviously got. Coventry Saturday, they've got Norwich Burnley, I mean if they lose them three I'd say they're pretty much they've got them play Stoke Bristol City, they've got a really hard five games. Their um, fixture and... list
5: is as hard, it is as hard as ours oh, well, you might it's... even say that ours is probably easier because we've got the last two games against Wigan and Huddersfield. But, the,
2: yeah. the only, their only saving grace might be They've got Stoke in Bristol City, nothing to play for. I know Burnley might be chasing the points total by then. but yeah, they've got really hard fixtures. As I say, I'm <coughs> going to go with a new manager bounce for you guys, Matt. And I'm going to say QPR are going to get relegated, and then Millwall obviously going to win the playoffs.
5: <laughs> I hope you're right. And and and, wow. and 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 can I just add, I w- if if Gareth Ainsworth can do do, do what do what what you said, Ben, to uh, to Millwall and take him down. I'm putting him as manager of the season as well, if somehow. If, if somehow that can us pull down, us though. out. Hopefully <laughs> don't take us down. You mean take QPR yeah. down? Oh sorry. Yes, yes, yes sorry, yeah, sorry, yes. Take QPR down. <laughs> not you guys. Sorry.
0: Okay. Good, cool.
5: Um <laughs> there's
0: a few not putting us in the in the playoff position. Um and uh yeah no there. I think obviously Burley's got it. I don't think Sheffield United will get second. I think it'll be between Middlesbrough or Luton, um, and I've just—I don't know this—this this fairy tale ending for Luton from the last season or two. I think's just got, you know, that that second place is written all over it for them. Um, uh, I I just think they've got that <laughs> desire, that 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 hunger for it, and potentially go in. Um, And I would probably then, it would obviously be Middlesbrough, Sheffield Wednesday. I can't see either one of the... Sheffield United, even not Wednesday. Um, I can't see either of those slipping out. I think Blackburn will drop. Preston will be in. Or it will be... um, Or it will be Coventry, I think. Um, And I think my heart says we will be in there. Um but like I said a while back, I can see. Don't make me start,
2: Mickey. Don't make me start. We're not falling out.
0: (laughs) I think (laughs) we're not falling out of the top
2: six. I mean, we could
0: be, (laughs) we could be, we could end up being seventh Um, relegation. I think Reading will get out and I think it will be Wigan, Blackpool, Blackpool and, um, and QPR. Uh, I would love it to be um, QPR Cardiff as well, but, Um, I think it will probably be Wigan obviously because they are so far adrift Blackpool again because they're so far adrift and I think it will probably be QPR Um, so yeah I think the easiest way to finish this we've got a couple of minutes is um, we'll start with you Ken if you want to tell the audience um, a bit about your channel how they can find you and we do you two guys (laughs) and then um, we'll do our thanks and then we'll uh, we'll all fuck off so um, yeah (laughs) <laughs> Ken, tell us who you are if people want to look at you a bit more
3: Yeah, you can go on all on all the social media channels on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram uh, Spotify, Sky Blue Fans TV, just type that in uh, we, we do two shows a week on a Thursday and on a Sunday obviously previewing the games and reviewing the games as they come and then we sometimes have special episodes during the week as and when required, we also do a uh, a show every a game we play, we do a pre match show speaking to the fans in and around the stadium an hour before kickoff. At every stadium we go to, we have a pre match show for half an hour basically from two o'clock till half two, quarter to three, uh, just interviewing the fans as and, as and when they come into the stadium and just before kickoff. So, yeah, uh, Scarborough Fan TV basically available on all social media networks. Just type in Scarborough Fan TV. Chris,
0: tell us about your show, what you do and, uh, and where they can find you because yeah, some I- of them might have heard you lots tonight I might think I like his voice I want to listen to him some more
4: Even my own parents don't say that so I can't can't imagine that's true Um, Albion Analysis is is the podcast we're pretty much wherever you get your podcasts so um, Spotify uh, Apple Pods all the usual places Um, but yeah just a weekly podcast or depending on how often Albion play um, just looking back over the game looking at a bit of the data but you know with, with the usual passion that you that you hopefully get from a fan pod uh, as well, um, and you know me and my co-presenter who, who he, I I basically do all the talking and then he gets a word in edgeways every now and then because he's the expert with the with the numbers. So um, and drop us a follow on Twitter if you want. At, uh, um, I'll be in analysis as well. So uh, yeah,
0: drop us a follow. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we will go to you, Matt. Uh, at the moment, you're a championship podcast. You think next season you're going to be a League One podcast. We all have faith and think you're still going to be a championship <laughs> podcast. So uh, um, you've been on our show a couple of times or you were on our show with the uh, Inside Man. So come on and tell us uh, where they can find you and what, what your show is all about.
5: Like like everyone else, um, championship podcast show um, at the moment. Um, so you can find find us on all of your podcasts um, playing... Um, uh, sites so Spotify, Apple Pods, etc. Um, we we'll, uh, we do pre-match podcasts, post-match podcast. We also have done interviews with ex-players. Um, did a podcast earlier in the season with Mark Bowen as well, um, our sporting director. Um, so it's just a just a bit of a Reading Reading FC fan site podcast site. Um, find us on Twitter, Elm Park Royals, or at EPR. Um, uh, to obviously just keep up to date with all, all Reading FC um, comings and goings. Um, and one of the guys as well, Alex, um, does a stat, stats um, page as well at Biscuit Analytic. So yeah, if, you, if you're one for <coughs> the statistics, he runs that site as well. Excellent. Um,
0: Benjamin, what are, you, what are you all about? You all about? Guess, well,
2: you I'm going give to give you a shout out here, Mickey, because I... Uh... Got in- introduced to the show by yourself when we did the spaces early in the season. So first season, me being on the podcast. Um, but yeah, if you want, to, want me to do a shout out on our podcast, at that Millwall podcast, we're on all the socials. We probably do two or three shows a week, Mickey, about various subjects, don't we? And it's uh, always a good one. We do um, most previews on the games each week. So yeah, if you like what either of us have said, not many people like Mill. So I hope you probably, you probably won't want to follow us. But if you do, then give us a follow. Uh, we always need the support.
0: Seeing <laughs> it, 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 listen. We are that middle podcast. Um, hopefully, you've enjoyed this. This is a new um, and a, a, a new outing as such, and I think it's something that's worked well. And I think uh, I'm up for doing a few more of these. These are good, um, different people every week, and keeping some of us on. And, and you know, hopefully, we can get different bods to chair it and stuff, and it'll be a a, a good way of just getting a, a general feel um, across. Really, the championship as such. I think um, Sky Blue, Sam, um, honestly, this season could go down to the last kick of the day with four or five teams in the hunt for playoffs, still potential. Totally agree with you there. Um, Just a final note from me before we do go, I'd like to thank every single one of you who voted for us in the uh, podcast awards. Um, We didn't make the final three, but we weren't last. And uh, and we beat a couple of others. I know where we come, but I don't know if it's public knowledge yet. But we, we, we come middle of the table, which ain't bad for a small little podcast like ourselves who's only been going two years and uh and we are a niche market really. We are Millwall fans only, apart from this show where it's it's ventured out, but we are a Millwall only show. Um so yeah, those of you who did vote for us, thank you very much. Again, if you're following us on here, um And it don't matter if you want to watch us again, but just make sure you subscribe while you're here and give this video a like, because that helps us more than you could possibly understand. Um, With the algorithms and making more people watch us and all that lot, it means nothing to you. Just a click and a thumbs up means the world to us. And, uh, and we think you love us if you do that, but that's it. Uh, We are that we will podcast. This was that championship round table. And, uh, and that's it. Um, fuck is that I'm lost there mate Mill done a around Mickey done a it I've got no doing well on a there. low
2: budget I reckon Mickey
0: yeah no we oh, are yeah, yeah 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 no we <laughs> did yeah yeah and also you've seen the people I've got to work with so uh, yeah anyway thanks very much for joining us take the time out on a Friday evening thank you very much for the guys uh, who took place Ken from Sky Blue Fans TV give him a Probably. follow Chris Hall from Albion <laughs> Analytics and analysis. Give him a like, and also Matt from PEPR. You can find them all on social media, and our very own Ben Greeny, who's uh, got a private account, and he'll only follow you back if he likes you. So that's it. <laughs> We're done. We'll speak to you over the weekend. We got Preston tomorrow, which is a must-win game and uh, good luck. And we'll see you next week. Thank you very much, Ken. You're the only one who said that. see, these two other... F- don't, don't care. <laughs> no, they they not don't gonna, want us to still
4: have not, Like turkeys voting for Christmas, me wishing
1: <laughs> you good luck. You got Jed.
0: Anyway, speak to you
1: later on. Bye. Bye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: Selling a little? Or a
4: lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage,